The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcast. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Exciting football action continues on, and Daily Fantasy at Yahoo is better than ever this year. Yahoo Daily Fantasy just released a new $500,000 contest, the $500,000 Baller, that has a first-place prize of $50,000. you got to check this out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little bit of cash. Get started right now, yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. That's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. And when you make your first deposit, just use the promo code POD25, that's P O D 25, for $25 in free play. That's POD25, promo code for $25 in free play. Hey guys, want to tell you about our friends over at Pole Sports, an online site that allows you to get instant fantasy football advice through real time polls. Poll Sports allows you to create a poll with your custom league settings and then get votes and advice from credible fantasy players like Sam here, answering questions such as who to start, who will win a trade, and who to drop and who to pick up. Sam, tell us about how awesome Poll Sports is. Yeah, I like this as a concept, right? Because most places out there, they determine for you who the experts are. This is our fantasy football expert. Listen to him for he knows fantasy, right? Whereas the thing about Poll Sports is it's proven. It's guys go out there, they vote on these polls, and they have a proven record. It's they've got receipts. You can see like it. how well they've done with their advice. So you can only listen. You only need to listen to the people that actually have a proven track record of being right all the time, which is frankly what everybody's looking for, right? You listen to the guys that are right. You don't listen to the guys that are full of it. That's why we don't listen to your advice. Hey. Little wisdom Sorry. of the crowds here. I like it. You create a poll. Each person who votes or comments has a credibility score that they've earned based off their track record. Other websites out there, like you said, they just tell you who the experts are, but this one actually does keep the receipts. You post a poll, votes and advice come in almost instantaneously, and then you can search polls by player name and see which have already been created with that player. So by the end of the week, 
You have all the advice that you need. And best of all, Pole Sports is completely free to use, and there are no paywalls of any kind. So head to PoleSports.com, P-O-L-L Sports.com, to set up your free account and get instant advice today. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson, previewing week six. Yes, and the Minshew t-shirt. Oh, you do have it on. Right. I didn't even notice. Minshew. Why am I wearing yeah. a real shirt? Nice shirt. Thank That's you. That's good. There we go. Full Minshew. Full Minshew. That's available now. Yes. PFF store. Shop.pff.com. The nice. Full Minshew, which somebody suggested sounds like something that's rather inappropriate for daytime television. The Full Minshew is available? Yeah. PFF store plus the sticker. Plus the sticker. I don't have a sticker yet, but I have the Full Minshew t-shirt. Comes in three parts, I heard. Three sizes. Three sizes. Oh, okay. Three parts? I mean, maybe it comes in three parts. I think it's... But it definitely comes in three sizes. You have to piece sizes. it together. Okay. It takes a little work. It's like putting on your um, cover to your iPhone. You need a little. How? The uh, screen protector. Yeah. It's got to be precision. It's got to be lined up. Oh, but that's on three parts. No, but it's something it's you need to sheet. concentrate. Whatever. Okay. Let's go. We're not having the best of times right now because before we went I'm on, fine. You, <laughs> you, you discovered that you were balding a I'm not bit. balding. I I'm mean, not. other people think you are. Me being one of them. Look, I what? know. I've, I've been through it. My hair's gone. I don't, Yours, I mean, I it's, it's early like stage, it's, but it's definitely, you know. How do I stop this? I don't know that you can. Do we have any, can we get some sort of I like. Mean, if you can, I missed the boat on it. Can we get some sort of like hair sponsor or something? That's hair gonna, sponsor? Someone's, yeah. Hair club for men. Like, what do you do? Who, who, who solves this? I don't know that people do. I, it's I don't creeping think we're there away yet. from average is what's happening it is. here. It's creeping this way. It's receding away from average, Steve. <sighs> I don't believe it is. You're telling me that. I don't the believe it, is, So that's the thing, right? I told you it was, and you, you were you're just like, no, it's Sam just messing with me, right? But then Ethan sitting there behind the camera was like, oh, yeah. Immediately. No. Ethan's like 12. Right. And he's got no has, life experience. He's got no baseline for where my hair was previously. But therefore has a full head of hair and, under, and recognizes immediately the signs of it disappearing. Yeah. That's true. Youngsters, youngsters know when, when old people look old. Right. So maybe. So Steve's kind of bummed out right now because... Yeah, it's not, not... He'd never considered that before. He was just going... Didn't start out on a great note here. No. So... So, yeah, unlucky. Great. So, yeah, week six. Let's... um. Let's preview it. We're live on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, talking Hello. about another 45-year-old man. Tom? Yeah. Hey. He's, his hair's not receding. He looks younger than ever. God, you're going to go bald before Tom. I mean, it's just another one of his milestones. Baldness? I don't know. He just wins everything. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe it's the lack of avocados in your diet that's, that's causing I'll go it. on the TB12 diet if it'll save a few strands of hair. Really? Yeah. I don't, you couldn't pull that off. Avocado ice cream probably tastes real good. Yeah, but that, I don't think that's the sole... That's not all of the diet. I thought that's all he ate. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think you could achieve the, the TB12 diet. Probably not. Not going like to I've seen some of the crap you eat, and it's fairly well divorced from the TB12 diet, I suspect. Yeah, I make a little chip run at 11 every morning. Yeah, and that like microwavable puck of whatever it is you incinerated, that's not going to be on there. What do you mean? A veggie burger? That, that was a veggie burger? One time it was a veggie burger, another time it was a... Breakfast sausage. God, I'm just saying, I don't think those things are on the TB12 diet. Yeah, probably not. So anyway, yeah, they're, um, they're Thursday playing night tonight. Football. Thursday night football. Uh, New York Giants at the New England Patriots. <laughs> it was uh, 
I'm just looking at the notes. I'm reading yeah. your notes. It yeah. says monsoon weather, apparently. And I said, let's let's go full rugby here and just cancel it, call it a tie. I like it. That's exactly what the protocol is for the rugby world. Would Cup. this be like the Giants of uh who was the who did New Zealand tie? New Zealand and Italy are tied. Italy. Yeah, this is So the Giants exactly are like that. Italy and right. the Patriots are like New Zealand. Yep. That's exactly what's happened there in the Rugby World Cup. They've decided, you know what, there's a typhoon rolling in, we're just gonna call this one a zero zero tie and move on. Which is unfortunate for the powerhouse New Zealand team. Well it's actually not because they were winning anyway, so they're fine. Oh, okay. But that would be like the Patriots have this sure win and they're gonna cancel it and give it a tie. That's how rugby works. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Um so yeah, apparently, ugly apparently the weather's gonna get ugly. Which means it might be a leveler. That's always supposed to be the case, right? Weather rolls in, it's supposed to level the playing field a little bit. Yeah. And God knows this playing field needs to be leveled because if, otherwise the Patriots are going to stomp the Giants. So yesterday there was a 100% chance of rain, which is, you know, That's pretty, pretty locked That's in. pretty conclusive. Now it's at 50. Huh. Well, could you explain weather to me? I can't, explain how, to me? I can't explain how a certainty goes to being a 50-50 proposition in 24 hours. Did they just round it up from 95 and that 5% hit and now it's down to 50? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Okay. I'll ask, I'll ask some of my weather friends. It's yeah. another degree of separated. Good. Okay. Some of the, um, the weather people in Boston. Yeah. Former college colleagues. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Classmates. Yeah. I'd how be curious that? to know how 100% turns into 50. I know everybody. Yeah. You know that. Sure. So anyway, yeah, it's supposed to be weather here. Um, in theory, if you have a weather game, a team like the Patriots, you know, it, it'll, it helps the Giants, right, to maybe level the playing field. Although the Giants have, they're trotting out one of the worst groups of playmakers oh. that we've ever seen. They just had players. Well, that too. But Saquon Barkley's out and Evan Ingram's out. And, you know, look, we, we are low, we've been lower on Daniel Jones than right now the hype is. And but if he goes out there and has a bad game in the rain while throwing to nobody against the best defense in the league, right? Don't write him off. No, I mean that's we, what I would say. Don't said, judge Daniel Jones by. We said last week they basically shouldn't play Dwayne Haskins because there's no way of it going well, and all you can do is harm him. They're already playing Daniel Jones, and he has to walk into the same thing. Right. So it's probably not going to go well for the guy. But I would agree that this is not a fair representation of what Daniel Jones is capable of. If you guys are listening on the podcast the day after. Uh, we're expecting a win for the Patriots that you guys have already seen. Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah. All right. That's Thursday Night Football. Let's get to the weekend. There's some big games. Let's start with the Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. Just a battle of the, the two young guys here. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, number two and three in your old school passer rating statistic. And, you know, along with Tom Brady, the future of AFC quarterbacking. <laughs> yeah. Always, oddly, yes. subtly. This uh, joke in there like this just on paper might be the most fun quarterback matchup in the NFL right now. Oh, yeah, um, this is great. This and one that we should see for years to come like this idea of Patrick Mahomes being the most talented quarterback in the NFL. The new Aaron Rodgers capable of doing anything. And then um, Deshaun Watson was the guy that we mentioned earlier. He's capable of playing like that. He just has the occasional bum game where he doesn't. Whereas Mahomes seems to be able to do it every single week barring games where he has a bum ankle and can't move and that kind of thing yeah um so the fascinating matchup of those two going head to head should be really interesting obviously the further layers to that is just how healthy now is patrick mahomes because he did re-aggravate that ankle he then after having re-aggravated it had it stepped on by cameron irving yeah and that's you know if if cameron irving is one thing and it may just be the case he's large so that probably hurt a lot 
Yeah. Probably uh, didn't feel good. Yeah. So what and is this going to be like? You have a Texans defensive front that we've talked about quite a bit here uh, with DJ Reader, with J.J. Uh, Watt kind of back to, back to normal guys that are getting after the quarterback. And I always say with Mahomes, do you really – do you want to rush to keep him in the pocket? Do you want to rush and um, – push him out of the pocket, you know, pressure him, try to force him into bad decisions. I think you have to kind of mix it up, to be honest, because there's definitely sometimes he wants to break the pocket. He's looking to. Yeah. And if you do play contain, it kind of, you know, flusters him a little bit. But does that disappear if he's hobbled with a bum ankle? Like, is he now a guy that's going to be stuck in the pocket? And should that be what you're shooting for? Oh, yeah. I think that I think that changes things a little yeah. bit. And I think when you have a defensive front that that can win a little bit, you might lean toward... Let's try to win. Let's try to pick up a few sacks here and there for some quicker throws. And if he does break contain every now and again, you know, good luck with the ankle. Um, we've said this a few times, though. The ankle looks like one of those things that's like, oh, this looks really bad. He could barely walk. And then he comes back out and he's, you know, moves around okay. Yeah, but I mean, I think it affected him the other night more than it did in the previous games when he when he heard it. I've always been a proponent of never underestimate the, uh, the ability of tape, Steve. Tape can- How does tape? It just it tightens it up enough that you you don't feel it. It just it makes it struck. So one of the problems if you like sprain something is it loosens everything, right? Like structurally, you're it's like a minor tear. That's exactly what a sprain is. It's a minor tear of a certain degree, right? Yeah. So when you tear something slightly, you're inherently weakening it. You're loosening it. It's no longer as as tight and taut and strong as it once was. So if you like roll an ankle, immediately your ankle now feels like it's made out of rubber. It's not. It's not together and solid the way it used to be. You tape that thing up like rock solid. You're just replacing the structural integrity that used to be held by your ligaments. And you're just replacing it with like, you know, whatever the athletic tape is. Hmm. So it'll still hurt and it'll still swell up and there'll still be problems afterwards. But structurally, it will feel you'll have you'll have the confidence in it again because it doesn't feel loose. And so you think if he gets a, a good tape job, he'll be fine. Yeah. Pretty All much. Right. So it's non-factor. I wouldn't go that far. Um, this also has some pretty interesting one-on-one matchups in it, this game. Yeah, what else? J.J. Watt leads the NFL in pressures through, what are we, five weeks of the season? Yep. Um, Mitchell Schwartz has yet to give up a sack and is the second highest graded tackle in the game. Yeah, that's a good one. Five weeks of the season. So that should be really fun. Also, you know, Mitchell Schwartz is a fine student of the game. He watches the tape. He does. Um, I, I'm fascinated. So Ryan Ramchek is basically the only guy that's done a decent job on Watt so far this season, and he really did a decent job on him. Like, basically shut the guy down with the exception of one holding penalty in week one. Since that, J.J. Watt has been dominant. But what was fascinating is watching that tape and seeing how he went about doing it, which was this sort of game plan of flashing hands at Watt, making him show you the move he was going to break out, and then neutralizing that, right? Yeah, it was interesting now, watching it. part of it is... There aren't that many players that have the kind of skill set that Ryan Ramchick has. So, you know, if insert random, not very good right tackle goes out there and tries to do that, it's not going to make any difference because he can't stop the thing that what is going to show him. Um, but Mitchell Schwartz is, as we said, the second greatest tackle in the NFL right now. So second highest graded. So can he do that? Does he have the skill set to do it? Yeah, that'll be a great matchup uh, on that one. Then if you look at the Texans' offense, last week, now granted, it was the Falcons, a bad Falcons defense, but they destroyed them in the past game. The Falcons did some questionable things defensively. Did you see the the deep touchdown to Will Fuller 
Where everybody went after Nuke? Yeah, it was like, it was third and five, and they went three-man rush with two spies. So they essentially went like, they had no safeties. Instead of having two safeties deep, they played with two spies, and then bracketed a couple of receivers. So it was like man across the board, a couple double teams, a three-man rush, and a double spy look. And Watson just sat in the pocket, waited for Will Fuller to free up deep, and just threw it to him. It was just a really... There were some odd coverages in there. Um, the point I wanted to make, though, is I think coming into the season, we said, man, this group of Texans playmakers could be really tough to defend with Will Fuller's deep speed, with Hopkins as probably the best, him and Mike Thomas, probably the best like uber possession receivers in the NFL, not using that as a knock, but just like the best move the chains type of receivers in the NFL. Kiki, cutie, Kiki cutie. out of the slot, Duke Johnson back there. I mean, there's a lot of weapons to deal with, and that was on display in this game. So I think, you know, that's kind of the game plan for the Texans. Watson avoiding sacks, not bringing pressure upon himself. That was just a great game offensively all all around for the Texans after one of Watson's worst games against the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, like you said at the top here, looking for a little consistency that Mahomes has pretty much been able to achieve. I know they only scored 13 points the other day, but Mahomes still playing good football. Yeah, and so the other thing at play there is that I think that game did present the correct blueprint to defeating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But again, it's like a lot of these things, you need to be able to pull that off, right? It's, it's one thing knowing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I don't like the other being able yeah. to execute that. The, and plus, the blueprint in particular relies on certain things happening. Like, for example, the Chiefs being without a lot of their best playmakers. And dropping touchdowns. That too, right? I mean, it's not saying it was... There's a, a lot. There's a yeah. lot of different things. Yeah. It's not like it's... Again, it's not like just having the right game plan means you're inherently going to win. There will still be plays that have to be made or, you know, luck that has to happen along the way. But I think man coverage is the way to defeat this team, particularly when they don't have some right. of their best playmakers and you're dealing with a, a group of... Uh, pass catchers that aren't as talented as they were on paper heading into the season but uh, then you've got the secondary in houston that i just yeah, don't trust a whole exactly. lot i don't i don't really trust them look I, the colts the colts did a really nice job and they didn't have the name talent that was supposed to be able to cover kansas city and give them problems and, the, and they figured it out they did a nice job they've got just by our grades the colts have the number 25 coverage grade so far this year so i mean on paper it should not it should not have gone that way and houston's at number 22 so it's possible but you know it's like you said it's really tough to execute that so the big like x factor in this chief's offense is you know they've been missing some of these guys but tyree kill is close to coming back word is not yet out as to whether exactly he'll play this sunday it seems unlikely but they're saying it's possible he changes everything yeah because even if you think you can play man coverage against everybody else and, you know, Travis Kelsey can defeat man coverage pretty consistently, albeit didn't have a great game. Um, it will work against most of those guys. It I mean, it doesn't work against Tyreek Hill. You're not no. going to be able to cover him man-to-man if you're the Texans in particular. So that suddenly changes everything. Like, that literally can blow your entire game plan out of the water if you came in determined to do the same thing that the Colts did and suddenly Tyreek Hill is cleared to play. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> Friday or Sunday, you go, our entire game plan doesn't work anymore. We, yeah. need, we need to change some things. And you're, you're Houston, you're saying, uh, who's going to cover him? Right. And how many guys? But they could, I mean, they're legitimately, you know, fantasy football guys wait for the, the news. You know, the injury news heading up to the game on Sunday morning. It's like, whew, 
not inactive, right? Yeah, the Houston right. Texans could legitimately have an entire game plan based around him not playing. Suddenly you get to Sunday and he's active, and it's like, oh, this entire thing doesn't work anymore. Oh, they'll be smart enough to at least know. Sure. To but, anticipate it. But that then, you know, you then have to have multiple kind of game plans in operation yeah. because the, the, the blueprint to defeat them is that heavy man coverage system, and that's the one thing that you're going to have to change if Tyreek Hill is out there. What are you expecting in this one? Shootout? Fireworks. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. It's got to be, so right? Too. Yeah. So, expecting a shootout. We're all taking Kansas City yet, though I think Bruce made a late oh, switch. Flip his pick? Made a late switch to Houston. Damn him. So, he's going. He's riding the Deshaun Watson train. He, he's, he's believing it's going to happen. We're taking Kansas City, you and I, mm-hmm. to bounce back in this one. One of the games of the week there, and it, it's a very important game, obviously. Yeah. In uh, the AFC playoff race. Philadelphia Eagles at the Minnesota Vikings. This is another interesting one rematch from last year. You've got two teams that, you know, were supposed to be in the middle of the mix in the NFC. Both teams have kind of had their ups and downs at various points in this year. And I think it's the old uh, pivotal game for both teams here at this point in the season. What are you expecting to see in this one? Yeah, and, uh, so the Eagles, I think, are generally ascending. I think they're heading in the right direction after an ugly start that probably didn't tell the truth as to where they were exactly the vikings are just bouncing all over the place essentially depending on the quality of the opponent they face yeah Um, right they're like you know the classic average pass rusher who can beat the crap out of bad offensive tackles but is never going to play um you know is never going to play well against a truly elite opposition that's basically what the vikings are right now if they play a crappy team they're able to dominate them if they play a good team so far the things have gone ugly and what i'm curious about is it's actually set up in an interesting way because Philadelphia's defensive front is still really good. Right. Like they, they're wrecking offensive lines up and down the land, but their weakness is in the secondary. And obviously the dynamic out of Minnesota is they really want to run the ball. And the last thing they want to do is pass it. Now, last week the passing game opened up and Kirk Cousins made a few plays, particularly to Adam Thielen. So one QB wide receiver connection was mended. But Stephon Diggs basically got nothing all game. So that Diggs one, in this one. Right. That one is still um, rocky. The relationship is rocky at the moment. But the point is, now you're set up so they're probably not going to be able to run the ball well because that Philadelphia defensive front is really good. The weakness is in the secondary. But does Kirk Cousins have the stones, essentially, to be able to wind up and deal against a really good sec- or a, a bad secondary but a really good pass rush? Well, this was the game last year. Remember early in the season, about seven, eight, nine weeks into the season, Cousins had uh, some of the best numbers in the league under pressure. And in that first half of the year was this game against the Eagles where he did make a few big throws. Deep ball to Adam Thielen, I remember, put him put it right on his hands. He made a few nice throws in this game because he was playing outstanding under pressure. And then we said, hey, that's not going to that's tough to maintain. Right? right. And then he tapered off the second half of the year. Um, but I think they kind of have to take their shot. In, in that respect, you know, even if the Eagles defensive front is going to get after them, you still have to win in the pass game and take advantage of those matchups. I mean, Diggs, Thielen, Irv Smith, I mean, all those guys should be able to have some success. They have the passing weapons to win this game by passing against that Eagles secondary. They don't really have the offensive line to hold up while they do it. And what's going to be interesting is how do they get the ball out quicker because Cousins has still the longest average time to throw in the NFL. So he's going to need to make plays in the passing game, but he's also going to need to get the ball out before he gets murdered because Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, those guys are going to get after him. 
the Vikings offensive line is not good enough to hold up against that. So it's this weird sort of catch-22 situation where to win this game, they're probably going to need to be able to attack the weakness of the Eagles. The problem is doing that plays into the hand of the Eagles' strength. What do you think on the other side? I, I always cite the game 2016, Carson Wentz, five years. I say this almost every week, I feel like, but he ran into Zimmer after a really nice start yeah. as a rookie and had a rough game. And, you know, it's, I think it's always a challenge going up against these, the, the Zimmer defenses, no matter where the talent is. Wentz is uh, both of these quarterbacks, by the way, in my article this week, as far as QBs that are playing better or worse than their stats would indicate. Cousins somehow has a higher passer rating than Carson Wentz this year. Carson Wentz, though, number two in PFF passing grade, and Cousins is down around 30. So we have two guys who are, play, we feel, playing very different than their statistical output right now. So does that start to even off a little bit for these guys? That's a big question, too. Yeah, um, I think Mike Zimmer does still do some really smart things on defense. I think the issue with the Vikings' defense is they just don't have the talent they used to. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked before about the cornerbacks in particular dropping off from a talent standpoint. Xavier Rhodes isn't what he used to be. If he'll ever get back to that level, um, Trey Waynes is Trey Waynes, which is, you know, okay at best. Their big thing is they really need Mike Hughes to come back strong and kind of keep developing and actually become a really good player because that's kind of what the this entire secondary um, is relying on going forward. But, you know, if you look at Xavier Rhodes is giving up a pass rating of 115 when targeted this year. Um, Trey Waynes is 105. Mike Hughes is 69 so far. So he's the guy that is playing the best and they actually really need to come good for them to be decent. Yeah. And, you know, the Eagle, the reason why Carson Wentz's grade is better than his actual stats, because the playmakers have been disappointed slash injured you know disappointing slash injured so that is one of those things we expected the eagles to have one of the best groups of playmakers maybe the best in the league coming in hasn't been the case so far um, i do believe the eagles are the team that's just gonna you know they'll trudge a little through the regular season as they get healthy start to come together and be one of the most dangerous teams in the nfc down the stretch so i'm expecting them to win this one because that's just who i think they are uh as a team and i think it's similar to last year where they were inconsistent early in the season but by the end i think if they did have wentz still there they would have been even though we saw the Foles super bowl run oh wait i did did i take i went the other way on this too huh yeah you took the vikings i did take the vikings mm-hmm. huh yeah wow mm-hmm. cut that we're live yeah so i think that this, this is what i'm saying they're going to trudge through the beginning of the regular season and minnesota's <laughs> going to win um so here's the other part about kirk cousins and the way he's playing right now we said this the other day as bad as it's been he's a better player than he's shown therefore we should expect him to get better yeah like, like he, he last week. his the one thing to expect from cousins is a roller coaster of a ride throughout the season but one that has always ended up in the same 10 point grading range by the end of it yeah and they're right ho- now plus they're home in the dome yeah that's right why now, I take, that's what i'm taking the vikings yeah right now to get back to that 10 point grading range he needs to start stringing together some good games because he's been way below it so far this should be one where he could do a I mean, good it job. Needs depends, to be one. depends on how much that pressure. If he can get the get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, that's the biggest problem, right? Is that they need to get the ball out of his hands so yeah. he can actually pass against the secondary. But he's been holding the ball longer than any other quarterback in the NFL, and against a, a top level pass rush, that's like a suicide mission. All right, so you're taking Philly, yeah, and I'm taking Minnesota. I guess, yeah, that's what I, I wasn't sure. 
Okay. I was back and forth on this game. Apparently, I went Minnesota. You did. All right, let's move on. San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. Is the NFC West the best division in football? Mm. You got the undefeated 49ers. You got the Rams still there. You you got the Seahawks in Arizona. Yeah, the Cardinals kind of suck, though. Yeah, but how many divisions run four deep? The NFC North, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they have four reasonable teams versus three good teams and a bad one. Anyway, this is a huge one. Niners coming off Monday night football at home. I believe our guys on the forecast said they would be the best regression candidate for this week after a dominant defensive performance against the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be tough to expect that again. The 49ers have made life really difficult, though, on opposing quarterbacks so far this season. They've looked really good. Um, I think it's still... I think everybody is still waiting to find out what they are ultimately. You know, they're they're playing really well. They're dominating right now. The longer that goes, the more difficult it is to say they're not contenders and not legitimate this season. But I don't know how many people are truly sold on them still. Is that fair? I mean, so if you just look at our coverage grades, New England's number one, San Francisco's number two, and then the Bills are sitting there at number three. Because the Patriots have a track record where last season they were really good in coverage and then this year as well you just all right they're good right the bills too have multiple years under sean mcdermott as head coach you feel good about that is it just because we don't have the track record with the niners yeah because niners fans are probably like oh look we're graded better than the bills and the panthers and the vikings but all these other teams have this track record of success where the niners are coming off the worst coverage unit in the nfl last year i know they had injury issues but they still have a bunch of guys overachieving compared to what we expected yeah and i don't think that's unreasonable you know the whole we've been saying for the last few weeks that you know don't overreact to small sample size at the start of the season the problem is that's all you have at the start of the season so a huge amount of your default position through the first half of any given year has got to be i mean let's wait and see we don't really know right we don't it's too early to say yeah they absolutely dominant otherwise after two weeks You'd be like, Lamar Jackson is an MVP. He's as good as Patrick Mahomes. He's amazing. Like, well, hang on. Let's, let's wait a little while, right? It's been two games. Maybe he's just hit a hot hand for a while. The next week, he has a terrible game. Comes back down to earth, and now he's somewhere in the middle. So, it, it, you know, at some point, you have to say, okay, this does look for real. It hasn't dropped off yet. But I think five games is not a – or five weeks is not an unreasonable period to be saying, look, let's, let's wait and see. We still don't really know if they're that good or if they've just hit this run. But it's harder and harder to argue with where they are in the grading. They are the number one overall team in PFF grade. They're number two in both offense and defense. You just said they're number two in coverage grade as well. Yeah. Like they are grading extremely well in all of the important areas. And at some point – you have to say, yeah, this is legit, but this should be a really good test of that. They're going up against a team that is still good, that has enough firepower across the board to damage them, and we'll see if they can do it again, having stomped the Browns. Uh, your buddy Mike McGlinchey's banged up. He's going to miss a little bit of time. Yeah. Those veteran knees just can't handle it. Uh-huh. That was kind of out of nowhere. He'd been, I mean, the whole the whole unit up front has been playing well for the Niners. What are your thoughts on their run game? Because... The other night, absolutely destroyed the Browns. Started out with like a 60-plus yard run for a touchdown. And, I mean, this was like Booger was loving it on Monday Night Football. It was run game, run game, run game for the 49ers. So we're on here all the time saying, forget about the run game. That doesn't win you games. And then there's games like this where if you look at how well they move the ball on the ground, you have to say, okay, that's 
that's a that's good. They're 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 performing really really well. They dominated Cincinnati a few few weeks ago. What are your thoughts on the Niners? Their run game, what they want to do. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Uzcheck, by the way, banged up and out at fullback. Perhaps a, a big loss for them. I don't think it's fair to say that the run game doesn't win you games. I think the way to phrase it is that if you're starting from scratch, say you you know you. If you have a team equivalent of the default Madden setting where everything is like 60 across the board or whatever it is you start at, right? Yeah. And you have X number of uh, attribute points to add to the various areas, you wouldn't start by ramping up the run game to the max, right? If you were going to do one thing, it would be ramping up the pass game to the max right. because that is a more efficient way of doing things typically. Now, if you're, pa- if you're already at a point where your pass game is capped at 60, right, and you can't go any higher it's not a bad idea to ramp the run game up to try and counter that. Um, There are also, so obviously there's no one way of doing anything in the NFL. There's various different ways of skinning the same cat. And Kyle Shanahan's system is different to most other systems in the NFL. And we've talked before, like all the way through that the 49ers don't have a number one wide receiver, but unlike any other team, they might not need one because they have a George Kittle. They had, until this week, a Kyle Juszczyk. They've got really talented mismatch weapons in unconventional positions. They have them at tight end, at fullback, at running back. They don't necessarily have them at wide receiver. They just have a couple of capable weapons at wide receiver whereas another offense they need a legitimate number one because that's how the system works some sorry some of the best passing offenses the last couple years the the falcons under kyle shanahan in 2016 the patriots over the last couple years some of the they're very good passing offenses that use a fullback that use 21 personnel two running backs one tight end uh, as much as anybody else and it's not that new england they don't throw to james devlin a a, a ton it's not like you're throwing a ton of passes to your fullback necessarily in this scheme, but it is the concept of here's a running formation. We're going to pass out of it. And that is what Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he was talking about at his press conference today. You know, they, right. they worked out like 17 fullbacks this week because they do feel that ability to go heavy and then throw is a schematic advantage. That's, that's what they want to do. So I do believe there's something to that. What I did say the other night, I conceded on Monday night. I said, look, I conceded to the run game folks i said if you can guarantee that you're going to average 10 yards per carry like the niners did and i don't know what they finished off at when they started to run the, the game out but they're in the middle of the fourth quarter averaging 10 yards a carry if you can guarantee that to me i'll take the run game right I'll so that's it. why i'm saying it's it's not that it doesn't win you games because if you do that it does right if you dominate somebody to that degree you will right. probably win the game the point is is that i mean Rarely does that happen, and most of the time the run game is a product of something else. Yes, um, and, th- and I think that's, that's the way to put it, right? It's like there are certain games where you can absolutely dominate on the ground, yeah. but if you play 16 games with the hopes of achieving the one that's going to happen literally one or t- once or twice out of those 16, right. two out of 16. So again, it's, it's playing the odds, right? You have a better chance of getting of having that success with the passing game than you do with the run game. It's an easier thing to achieve in today's NFL. Can I clear up some of the lunacy that came out of that Monday Night Football broadcast? Yes, yes, please do. Kyle, the Kyle, so I love Kyle Juszczyk. He is one of the most fun players in the NFL. He's one of the most dynamic weapons in any position, but he's a fullback, right? And Booger legitimately claimed, now, God bless him for qualifying this because he almost claimed that he was the MVP of the entire offense, right? He then 
when, no, he's the non-quarterback MVP of the offense. So at least there was a small concession to sanity in this <laughs> statement. But he said he's the non-quarterback MVP of this offense because he makes the run game work, right? I, do, I, I want to present you simply with one number to dispute that, right? Go for it. Nothing else. Kyle Juszczyk this season has played four, uh, 52% of the 49ers' offensive snaps. If he was that important to the offense, do you not think they would use him more than half of the time? Probably. I do, too. Ergo, I would contend that he is not the non-quarterback MVP of this offense. Case closed. Next. You win. Next argument. Either way, I do like versatile players that... Same. That give you the impression that you're going to run, and then they you know, can create some mismatches in the pass game yeah. and all that fun It will stuff. be a blow not having him there, that being said, because the guy is a legitimate matchup problem. So the other thing about the Shanahan offense, the same thing we've said about McVay through the years, they do... They do nice things for the quarterback. They create more open throws. Uh, we've talked about how we track in-rhythm, out-of-rhythm throws. Jimmy G has the highest percentage of in-rhythm throws, so he gets to the top of his drop, and it's basically one, two, three, and the ball's out, right? At, at, at worst is what in-rhythm means. At worst, you're getting to your first read or hitching once or twice and getting the ball out. So that's effective offensive play. Um, pretty much every quarterback in the NFL plays better in rhythm versus out of rhythm. So if you're a play caller, and I know this sounds, it's not easy to just say, hey, let's play in rhythm. It takes good play calling and good receivers getting open and all that fun stuff to make sure that you have somebody to throw to within the first two hitches, right? So the Niners are doing a very good job of that, despite not having superstar uh, receiving talent. They do have superstar George Kittle, are the highest graded offensive player in the NFL. So a lot to like about this 49ers team, but it's still a big test against the Rams team that has to play better defensively. They've been smoked the last couple weeks, and you know I think inconsistent offense. Even though they're scoring points, Goff's got to be more consistent. You get that smoke. What, what is so funny? <laughs> Just there's a, there's a guy in our live chat box. I saw it. I know. I saw James it. Newbury says yeah. his shampoos will help you keep what you've got up there. Yeah, it's not too late. You get in on those shampoos. Apparently, they're expensive, though, so you might have to start budgeting for it. Are they color safe? That's the other thing, too. Are they? There's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Are you not supposed to admit the color thing? Or I wouldn't, but I don't have any hair left, I'm so just, what is it I'm matter? an open book. We're transparent with our millions and millions of fans here isn't, and I, the 271 people watching live. Isn't coloring the hair supposed to damage it long term? Like maybe, you're, maybe the coloring is the architect of the receding. Oh, so now it's like... It's like a vicious circle now. What do you do? Now it's like being a defensive coordinator. Do you Who go, do you stop? Right. Do you go gray or do you go bald? This is like Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey. That's a nightmare. This is terrible. I feel for you. Thank you. I mean, not that much because I don't have any hair left, but a little bit. All right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that was that was the 49ers Rams. Oh, Stephen Elliott's making fun of me. Oh, yeah? Well, that's good. It's all part of the shtick. It's all part of it. All right. Anyway, um, who you got in this game? Uh, I went with the Rams. Yeah, I, I took the Rams, too. I have them bouncing back. Uh, just you know, keep proving it to me, 49ers. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's, that's what they have to do, right? They are dramatically overachieving where we thought they would be, at which point, okay, that's fine. We're not, we're not going to say it's not possible, but sure. we just don't believe it yet. So, you know, keep going. If you're into such things, Jimmy G, 10-2 and two as a starter <laughs> with the 49ers. Into such things. QB wins. Yeah, I mean, over time, they get you there. Do they? Over time. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some other games. Let's get through the rest of the league. Week six, Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Bucks across the pond, Sam. A little 9.30 a.m. Eastern game. In London. 
Siciliano. The man was saying London a lot. Don't make fun of our friend. I'm not making fun of him. I'm making fun of his his shtick. What are you looking for in this one? So this is kind of an interesting X's and O's schematic Mm. battle. Um, That's where I was going wrong. I was trying to get schematic and battle next to each other. That that was like me saying. Jamming them right together. Touchies. It's like tutties and touchdowns. <laughs> I, I don't touch- think it was like that. It was. I was trying to say touchdowns no. and tutties at the no, same time. No, it's yeah, not at all like that. You exactly. ended up saying a, a weird thing. Don't tell me what I was doing. <laughs> anyway, um, the Bucks lead the NFL in blitz rate on defense, right? 51% of their snaps. Oh, the Bulls. They blitz the opposing, op- the opposing offense. Um, on the flip side of that, no quarterback has been blitzed more than Kyle Allen. So this is a game between the defense that Might likes to blitz times. the most and the quarterback that has been blitzed the most in the NFL so far this season. This is just going to be absolutely blitztastic everywhere. Like, rushers coming from all over the place, numbers coming at Kyle Allen. They're basically going to be saying, all right, figure out how to play the blitz right now, otherwise you are absolutely hosed. I love it. Yeah, that's going to be great. What I didn't check out was how he's actually gone versus the blitz. So vamp for a little bit while I look that up. Oh, man. See, I got my own numbers. I got it. I got it. I'm I'm getting there. Uh, Jameis Winston is, as much as I love Jameis and his MVP candidacy, he is one of the guys I said whose stats are a little bit better than they should be. Okay, you want it? Kyle Allen versus the Blitz, almost identical to Kyle Allen, not versus the Blitz. Passer rating is literally the same. That's generally how it is league-wide. Completion percentage is like a percent down. The The only place it's different is yards per attempt, which makes sense because typically those would be shorter passes, hot routes, and the like. Yeah. So, yeah, generally... Even though apparently the consensus league-wide is that you should blitz the living crap out of Kyle Allen, it's not actually slowing him down any. In fact, his grade is higher when blitz and when not. So that's an interesting wrinkle to the blitz bowl. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, that's... I'd still want to, I still want to see Kyle Allen prove things, too. He's well, like sure. the Niners, yeah. right? And he hasn't actually played well the last couple of weeks. He had that uh, QB of the week week against Arizona in his first start and since then has not been great in the PFF grading, despite the Panthers winning. Uh, Jameis Winston, I saw I saw people talking about his zone versus man splits this week, and they're, they're relevant and legit. Carolina loves to play a lot of zone-type principles. Jameis Winston, 60-grade against uh, zone coverage, but two, two touchdowns, six picks, five big-time throws versus seven turnover-worthy throws. So... Uh, Zone coverage, generally, you're looking at the quarterback making good decisions over and over and over again. That's when you, we always talk about you have your eyes on the quarterback, right? That's when you have a chance for turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you want to do against Jameis, I think. Mm. Keep playing zone. Make him make 40 good deci- decisions in a row. Yeah. And then you steal four of them. Yes. Right? Yes. For interception. So I, I think that's the, thing to, <laughs> that's the thing to keep an eye on here with Jameis. Still, um, you might be shocked to hear that he's got the highest percentage of turnover-worthy plays in the league this year. I think that's how we should start presenting that information is like number of plays per bad decision. Oh, yeah. Jameis is like four. <laughs> every, every fifth play. Right. I mean, he's, had, he's also had multiple games. Like the Rams game, he was playing great. Yeah. In the Giants game, he was playing great. There, there's multiple games where it's like, oh, it's going great. This is, this is top-notch Jameis. And then there's this second-half decision where it's like, what? Yeah. Where's that coming from? Why is this game close now? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's the same old story for Jameis. High yeah. percentage, he's number five in positively graded throws, number six in negatively graded throws. So the usual high volatility there. Yeah, and that's what's going to be really fun is that ultimately Jameis is going to end up being Jameis again and not 
the MVP candidate that you keep expecting to materialize. No, it can happen. Now, all that said, I have more faith in Jameis than I have in uh, Kyle Allen here. And Ooh. MVP candidate Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> no. And Great plus, player, not MVP. Plus, Jameis doesn't have any turnovers in England yet, right? Doesn't he? He probably does. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Somebody made the point to me yesterday that, you know, the, the McCaffrey for MVP stuff is the argument is entirely legitimate if you work on the basis of like, the way they've always done MVP. Like, if you're like, well, they're stupid enough to have made running backs MVP in the past. Therefore, there's no reason he can't be MVP now. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, they don't know what yeah. value is either. The 50 AP voters? No. Right. So basically, any way you want to quantify value in terms of not actually quantifying it, any wishy-washy, intangible, made-up value equation you want to attach to it, he qualifies along with Adrian Peterson back in 2012 or whatever. But if you actually attach quantifiable value to it, he shouldn't be there. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm taking the box in this one. You? So me, 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 me too. You are too? Yeah. Man. Going against some of our numbers, but makes sense. Yeah. The Blitz. The Blitz is going to get to Kyle Fantastic. in this one. It's going to be a lot of blitzing. All right. The one everybody's been waiting for, the Washington Redskins at yeah. the Miami Dolphins. The, uh, the Tank Bowl. This was a Super Bowl, right? Back I mean, at day. some point, yeah. Super Bowl rematch. Yes. Which one was it? A.K.A. the Tank Bowl. Tank Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's a almost... Lot, a lot's going on here. In this game, it's almost impossible to find a data set where Miami isn't off on their own somewhere in the bottom left-hand corner of it. Like you know, the same way we talk yeah. about Aaron Donald separating himself from the group and being an outlier off on his own That's somewhere. The Dolphins. The Dolphins are at the yeah. other end of that in basically every possible way you can slice numbers. It's actually amazing how complete a tank job this has been. That they've achieved it across the board, like everywhere. That's it's not easy to do. No, I know. And yet they've done it. So I still think their defense isn't as bad as they've shown. They're not. It's not the worst defense we've ever seen trotted out there. They will have some games where they don't give up 30 at some point. Okay. That's so, quite a low bar. I'm just saying they'll be a little bit better. Maybe this is the week. On the other side, uh, Jay Gruden is out yes. after his firing on, at 5 a.m. on Monday. Would you turn up to a 5 a.m. meeting knowing that you were getting canned in it? I don't know, but if I do get canned at PFF, that meeting might be even earlier. It's going to yeah. be Neil rolling out of right. bed at three thirty and summoning me to uh, the Hornsby Estate. I'm just like saying, if I if I know I'm getting fired, and he phones me up at like four in the morning, it's like, hey, I need you to come in for a meeting. I'm like, look, just mail I'll it see to you at me. 10. Right? I'm not. No, I have a feeling what this is that this is not good. So why don't you just uh, yeah, just slip the slip the letter in the mailbox or leave it on my desk or something. You don't I'll want be to burn in. bridges. I'll be in later. You don't want to burn bridges. I'm just I, if they want to fire you at five, don't burn that bridge. What? That's my. Thought. They're already burning the bridge by firing you at five. Yeah, but you never know. Maybe they get a good quarterback and they're like, man, come back. Jake, Jake Rudin is the guy to groom this this quarterback. Now that we have one, come back in five years. That doesn't feel likely. Nope, not at all. So. um Bill Callahan's taken over. Yeah. And wants to establish the living crap out of the run. By Bill the way, loves himself some run Just game. in terms of total defense, um, that's, that's Miami down there, 32nd. Yikes. That's just simply yards per play. 6.4. Yeah. That's half a yard more than anybody else. A lot of, yeah, the league average is five. Yeah. 
That's poor. So as much as the defense may be their strength, it's still the worst yeah. thing in the NFL. So, so Bill Callahan in general is an interesting character, right? Because we talked about before, he, is, um, he was one of the architects of the old Gruden offense. Um, I like to watch a lot of old games, retro games. Mm-hmm. There was a period of time when I just loved watching that Rich Gannon-led Raiders offense. So I'll fire some of those games up every now and again. They were, they were one of the more pass-happy teams in the league at the time. Gannon just went from pretty much a nobody to an MVP. And, you know, Callahan and Gruden, those guys were, were a big part of all that. You had an aging Jerry Rice, an old um, Tim Brown, and it was just, you know, thrown to back. Everything was great. It was, so he's done stuff like that. And he was also the guy that, you know, was one of the architects of the Dallas run game with Travis Frederick when they drafted him. You know, he was a line coach and, and doing a lot of stuff there. He um, loved Travis Frederick coming out, zone scheme, does everything. You know, so there's a lot of interesting components in history with Callahan here. And, but he's coming in and just the one statement that he is, that I think a lot of coaches just fail to understand correlation causation sam is like it's all about attempts yeah when we run more than the other team we win body blows that's just not how that works new so there's a lot of people listen to us and say okay just explain use evidence and all that stuff again the teams that run more generally achieve their attempts because they're running the clock out because they're right in the lead the point is because of something else that happened there has been people have looked at it and there has been zero evidence of more rushing attempts leading to a greater effect over time so this idea of the more you run the better it goes it doesn't this idea of running backs get stronger in the fourth quarter because everyone gets tired of tackling them it doesn't it doesn't happen. It literally does not happen. We think it does because we can all remember a game where it looked like it was happening. But overall, it does not. That's not what happens. So all of these things, they're based off this mental highlight reel. or your, The human brain is hardwired to see patterns in things, right? That's, everybody does. That's why conspiracy theorists exist. Because your mind is literally hardwired fundamentally from a survival standpoint to see patterns in stuff and identify things that aren't necessarily there, right? So you're in there and you're like, oh, well, look, it's happening. It's happening. I, I tell you what the pattern is here, right? It's because he's run all the way through the game. Now in the fourth quarter, they're getting worn down. It's going off. I remember four times where that happened. Like, all right, well, what about the other 79 times where it didn't? I use my same analogy. I use the hit and run analogy in baseball all the time. I'm assuming I've used that here, right? Almost certainly. Do you know what the hit and run is? I, no, but I don't. The, don't for a, for a second lead that to believe it's an invitation to explain it to me. Why not? I think I think we got to hear the hit and run analogy. Oh God! And then the Brett Favre thrown across your body analogy. It's like the same thing. Like you literally remember the well, couple times it worked. Let's use that one since this is a football show. Like you remember the one time it worked. Yeah. I mean, your brain is hardwired to forget the bad ones. The hit and run in baseball is one of the prettiest plays in baseball, Sam. Okay. The runner on first runs on the pitch. And then what you have to, what the hitter has to do is swing. You make the hitter swing, which is a really bad strategy in general. Because if it's a bad pitch, you don't want him swinging. But he's swinging because he's trying to protect the runner because the runner's not even trying to steal. He's just trying to get a little head start. And when it works perfectly, the shortstop or the second baseman covers the bag. It leaves this wide open hole. And you hit the ball right through it. Yeah. I mean, you don't even know baseball. Well, what do you think the odds are that the hitter is going to hit the ball perfectly where he wants just because there's a guy moving Minimal. to cover the bag? It's, it happens like one out of ten times. Right. But it is just the most beautiful thing in the world. And then the runner goes from first to third, and it's just great. But people don't remember the time that 
a guy swung at a pitch over his head and fouled it off, or he swung and missed, or the guy gets caught stealing, and all these bad things happen all the time. Again, to me, that's the run game. If you want to remember the good, the good one was Monday night. San Francisco averaged ten yards per carry. It was great. So this is the thing. Last year, Seattle beat Detroit with forty nine carries or whatever it was. I mean, I can remember the handful of good ones. That is the logic to the running game thing, right? Is if you do it well, you can simply beat the opposition by doing that. Sure. The 49ers did it. The Colts kind of did it to the Chiefs as well. If you simply are good enough at the running game, you can win running the ball, right? And it, you know, it does minimize some of the other things that are problems in terms of interceptions, yada yada. But this all the sort of periphery <clears throat> reasons that people use for the run game have all been proven to be bullshit. It it does not get better over time the more you do it. Simply rack up a certain number of carries and you'll be reaping the rewards in the fourth quarter a doesn't b you'll probably be down 25 points by that point so it won't matter um two it doesn't set up play action just doesn't you might think it does logically it makes sense we can all think of a time where we were playing defense and they had a really good running back in the backfield and we're like ah crap i need to go come downhill on this i'm gonna but statistically it doesn't make a difference if you just do play action it works who the running back is makes not one bit of difference. Whether it's Adrian Peterson, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, doesn't, right? Every one of these little periphery reasons for running the ball has been statistically proven to be crap. Simply, your only argument for running the ball, and it is a fair one, is that if you're really good at it, it works. The yeah. end. You just, have a, you just have a low percentage chance in the NFL of being really right. good at but it. But the so. key is it's harder to do that than it is to be reasonable at passing. And if you're reasonable at passing versus really good at running, you're on about the same level, if not higher, on the passing end of things. So you know what I think that is going to happen here? What? Washington is going to come out with Case Keenum at QB and Adrian Peterson at running back, and they're going to run a ton. Adrian Peterson is going to get 200 they're, carries in this game. Washington is going to run a strategy that's going to allow the worst team, Miami, stay in it. And it's going to be a close game. God. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's what I'm anticipating. And then once it's, you know, near the end, it's like, uh, you know, you break here and there and you never know what's going to, you know, anything can happen. So what if the whole thing is like a rope of dope and he's going to come out and just every single play is a play action pass? That'd be great. And he Jeez. runs runs the 01 Raiders offense. Of course, what it's a shame because th- it would be against Miami. It would be therefore pointless. We've spent a lot of time in this game anyway, but it's the uh, tank ball to see if it's important. Do you think. This is determining the number one overall pick. It's a big one. What are your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins not playing? Because uh, a lot of people have strong opinions on why this is and the stuff coming out that he doesn't know the playbook and all this stuff. People have strong opinions on this. Yes. Ironic, so, since nobody can actually have any idea about that and, outside of the building. And a lot of times when you have that coaching change, we know that Daniel Snyder really, really wanted Dwayne Haskins. Right. So if he's going to fire Jay Gruden and replace him with an interim coach... In theory, you're going to grab an interim coach that's going to do what you want, which mm-hmm. presumably is wanting Haskins to play. Yeah. And almost immediately, Bill Callahan comes out and says, well, no, he's not ready to play. Yeah. Now, there's a lot going on here, but I, if there's multiple coaches saying they don't feel like he's ready to play, is that like a warning sign? Is that the same thing as Goff in 16, where it took him till week 11 or 12 to start? Like, where, where are you on, on this? So I was all on board with not playing him last week on the basis that I just could not see an upside to doing that, right? I, there was no way that that game, there was no way of even getting anything out of that game. The only thing you could get out of that game is negative. This has gone bad. I look like an idiot. They forced me into a bunch of stupid mistakes. We got crushed. I, like, there's no way that I was benefiting him, right? A game against Miami, 
even if he even if he isn't like fully up to speed in terms of 100% of the play, if you have to pare back the thing, if he is struggling to pick up an NFL offense, and all of this is complete conjecture or a you know intimation based off the fact that a couple of coaches have said he's not ready. Um, even if that's the case, is it going to harm him going out there and against Miami? Like maybe he'll throw a couple of ugly picks, but all right, so he's probably going to. I mean, the the experience gained through fifty snaps of playing against Miami, even if you throw a couple of ugly picks, is probably worth the uh, the offset, right? Yeah, so to the, me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm back and forth on it because with the golf thing, I stuck with the narrative that it doesn't matter. The season's lost. You're yeah. a bad football team. You do whatever's best, whatever you think is best for him, for, for yes. him, for his development. So, so I don't care if they sit Haskins the whole season. Like, if you truly believe, I'm, you know, I, if you if you truly believe in your heart, this is the best thing for Dwayne Haskins and the Washington Redskins to have him sit and learn, and next year he's our starter. Then you do that. That's fine. But I'm also I've kind of changed my tune a little bit too with this whole like until you know he's the guy, you find out what he is, and then you get the next guy and you yeah. treat him like Josh Rosen. So I kind of want to know what Haskins is because they're going to have another top pick next year and have a chance to bring in another guy to compete with him. So I kind of want to see what Haskins is. And honestly, I don't even hate the idea of picking and choosing where you play him. Like, don't play him against New England. Definitely play him against Miami. Well, that was like a don't, clear cut. Right. Okay, definitely not here. Okay, just wait a week. Sure, but, you would, but the basis would be then you start him and he starts for the rest. I'm not even... I, I'd be okay with the idea if he doesn't play against New England, he plays against Miami. Next week, we oh, get another really good now. team. Let's oh, sit him in that one. I'd literally pick the games where, he, where he's going up against cupcake opposition and say, all right, if he's not ready to play the Patriots, he's sure as hell ready to play the Dolphins because who isn't? Interesting. That's a, that's a different way to – people don't do that. I'm just a, I'm a mold breaker, Steve. You are. You really are. Oh, somebody was saying, a friend of mine, Steve Mooney, was saying that you, I will do this on Monday, you need to give your pitch for the Redskins head coaching job. I don't think I'm ready to be a head coach. No? You already be a GM. Oh, yeah. That's a lot easier than being a head coach. Is it? Yeah. I sit in my office and, you know, play Madden with uh, PFF data. Huh. Playing Mad- franchise mode. That's oh, what it is. Course. That's all it is. Being G- Madden franchise mode, but you were but I got PFF to be, data. You were prepared to be defensive coordinator of the Bengals. Yeah, but that's like you only have half the team that's got to follow you. But you don't have to like you don't. You got to be, be CEO, see, head that's coach, the thing, right? You so got, you don't even need to be in deep at the X's and O's. You can be over the top, overseeing things. Figurehead guy. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready. I mean, by next by Monday, I might be ready. That's we'll what see. I'm saying. Monday, you should prepare your presentation. I'm just not feeling it. You could you put know, your prezi up on Parker here. I also don't know if I'm going to have enough influence with the ownership and stuff. I don't know if that's my the place where I want to go. On the upside, though, right? You get yourself that contract, get fired after seven days, you still get all the money. Ooh. Right? So just be really good. Yeah, this even, is where you, I need day, if you time Nate it to do well, that. Right? If you time it well, you could even just like take PTO from, from PFF, go to, go to the Redskins, sign your deal, get canned after a fortnight, and be back here before you've even lost this job with the guaranteed money. Yeah, yeah. let's talk this weekend. We'll, uh, we'll map that out. So, yeah, Monday I might be pitching for the uh, Washington job. I think they're going to win. Go Redskins. They're going to win. Um, there's some other inside info that we know about. Like, if you are going to pitch, there's certain um, do's and don'ts in the building. Oh, yeah? There, yeah. That, oh, we, okay. that we can't mention here. Sure. But certain do's and don'ts. They, um, they care about certain things. Do over talk there. well of the Redskins. Yeah. So, anyway, we're both taking Washington in the, in the tank ball. That was a lot of time on the two worst teams in the NFL, two of the worst teams. Seattle Seahawks at the Cleveland Browns, Sam. Yes. Uh, the Browns' roller coaster season. 
Like it's not that it's not that they've inherently been way worse than last year. It's that they've been all over the place. Yeah. They've looked really terrible. They've looked really good and they've looked back in the middle. Like somebody said somebody posted a tweet saying something like the largest margin of defeat in the Hugh Jackson era was like 25 points, and they've already lost a game this season by 30 or something to the Titans. It's like, on the other hand, Hugh was like winless for two seasons. Yeah, like, right. You know what I mean? They've already won more Hugh games. Was, Hugh was way more consistent than Freddie Kitchens is <laughs> yes. what he's trying to say. They've already won more games this year than Hugh won over like a two-game or two-season stretch. So maybe that isn't the best point in the world to be making. Are but, we getting to the point there are certain coaches – um, Rex Ryan comes to mind. I think Jack Del Rio's Jaguars come to mind. They just week to week, you didn't know what you were getting, but more. But it was more like there was more of a pattern to it. Like Rex Ryan would have one game per year where he just got up to play the Patriots, and then the other game they get smoked. And Jack Del Rio would have games against Peyton's Colts where they would give them a really good game. These division games or these big games where it's like, wow, they could play with anybody. And then the next week they play up to their competition. They play down to their competition. I don't think there's any pattern here. With the Browns, you just don't know what you're going to get. But I do wonder if that has something to do with Freddie Kitchens, new first, you know, first-time head coach, and a lot of the stuff that we've said. Like, is this is he kind of the issue right now? A guy, did we not? Did we expect him to have better control of the organization than maybe he should have? Um, or you know, were expectations just too high there? I, so I think that's part of it, right? Um, I, I think generally there are issues in, with this team, particularly on offense that weren't necessarily predicted. Um, and I think they are, they are combining to be worse than the sum of the, the negatives. Um, and I think against some teams, they just don't really surface themselves because you need, you need to be able to actually attack that stuff. Yeah. So I think the offensive line is a significant problem. It's not good. Um, it's weak in the wrong areas as well. And that in and of itself is a weakness of this team. But the offensive line being weak is magnifying the negatives in Baker Mayfield's game. And as much as we didn't really focus on these in draft time, there was always negatives to his game. It's just they were A, really small, and B, really didn't come up very often because of the situation he was in in college. So he has always tended to hold the ball a little bit longer than you want him to. We've mentioned that a lot in our pre-draft stuff as basically the only negative you could find. He does have a tendency to sort of try and play hero ball in terms of, right, it's breaking down. I need to start escaping. I need to hold the ball. I need to find a guy. He, he almost always like escapes the same way as well, right? He bails deep, bails deep in the pocket, then tries to escape right and roll out to his right and deliver a pass to the sideline. Only that's when, at some point, when they know you're doing that, now that's what they're clamping down on, right? So now all those passes to the sideline have a guy draped all over them. Now what do you do? Right. Um, so all of these things are sort of man, you know, compounding on themselves to just create a, d- a deeper and deeper hole. For, and they, so far, they've been unable to dig themselves out of it. Now, something needs to change. They're, either they need to trade for Trent Williams and get a viable top-end left tackle. That'll help. They need to dramatically you know, increase the speed of the, the pass coming out of Baker's hands, try and manufacture him a bunch of cheap yards, and they've kind of done that. The Browns are reasonably high in terms of RPO usage in the NFL this season. Yeah, it felt... The RPO stuff, there have been times where it felt like their whole offense, they're just not in a good play calling and execution rhythm you know when you see a bad team it's not everybody's bad on every single play 
it's when Baker makes a good throw, it's not caught. When somebody's open, Baker misses him. Or when the line blocks, Baker's doing a bad job in the pocket and making the line look worse. Or, or you know, then there's, then there's the bad block by the O-line, and it's like, oh, this O-line's terrible, right? And to me, it's just different things. So when they even when they've run the RPOs, it's like, now this offense feels like it's RPO or deep ball. or R, it's, it's like yeah. RPO or low percentage shot. There's no balance. Last year, we had Baker's actual passing grade with Hugh Jackson and with Freddie Kitchens. The split was almost identical of actual passing grade, but the statistical split was like night and day. So when Freddie took over... They schemed stuff up. It was more early down play action. There was less run-run pass. I mean, everything was more favorable for the quarterback, so the output was much better, even though throw-for-throw throw, Baker Mayfield wasn't that much different. This year, you're not getting that same play-calling advantage, plus the quarterback's playing worse. Yeah. So that's And then, on top of all that, and you know, we, we are Baker believers here, and so I just want to start by saying he's not playing nearly as well as we anticipated or as well. well as last year, he's right? He's struggling. But at the same time... Look at, he's got some of the worst interception luck in the league. I mean, look at the Antonio Callaway drop pass for a pick. Then there's other passes. His receivers look like they're about to run a dig route, and then they just go somewhere else and vacate it. They're not, they're not on the same page. There's way too many miscommunications. Like, the whole offense is in disarray. I forgot in the list of problems. They haven't had uh, Rashad Higgins out there. Huge, huge blow to that offense. I don't even want to mention the fact that we just spoke for like a half hour about the Washington-Miami game. You didn't even mention your other favorite receiver in the NFL. Who's that? Oh, Terry? I haven't come up with a good nickname yet. I haven't got that. He doesn't need one. It's Terry McLaurin. He needs a nickname. Anyway, yeah, Richard Higgins. That's the whole issue. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a huge problem. Let's do, let's do a podcast where you just give us an update on your favorite players. Oh, I'm, I'm all for that. It's also called your text messages to me. Uh, Richard Higgins, touchdown. Uh, Terry McLaurin, touchdown. You just text me. You notice how many of them make big plays every week, though? Like three. No. I get three texts per week from you on a Sunday. That's not true. I I only save the best ones for you. Anyway, this game. So Cleveland's got a lot of things to figure out. Seattle has the top-graded quarterback in the NFL right now, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Tearing it up. And 12 picks. I'm sorry, 12 touchdowns. No picks. I think it's just one or two turnover-worthy plays in there, so he's doing a great job of taking care of the ball. He's making a spectacular throws down the field. So now Seattle, we still think, should be putting the ball in his hands a little bit more Yeah, in this one. Um, and if they do, I think they'll be okay. So I really the, want to see Miles Garrett, though, too, getting after Dwayne Brown and Jermaine Effetti off the well, edge. Here's the other thing that kind of sneakily is flying under the radar because Brown's offense is sucking so much. The defense isn't exactly good. Like, yeah. we expected that group to be a lot better. They've now, been real banged up. Right. Now, I think a lot of that is A, injuries, and B, there's so many new faces, it's going to take some kind of time to gel. You know what I mean? It's not going to uh, manufacture itself into a top unit overnight, particularly when you're coming from that scheme going to a slightly different one as well. Like, there's some pretty significant changes in there. Right. For example, the safety is in the same stadium as the rest of the defense. Yikes. Um, so that, that's a work in progress. But the point is that hasn't really been as dominant as we thought it would be. Miles Garrett is an interesting one as well because he's got, I think, seven sacks right now. Yeah. But not that much extra pressure. Like he's... Does 10. he have a signature move? He needs a signature move, mm. doesn't he? According to some people. Uh, I think he's like 10 plus total pressures off the league lead. You know, he's not ripping it up quite as much as the numbers would suggest yeah. and probably not as much as people thought he was going to heading into this year this new you know re- uh, revitalized free set free miles garrett hasn't quite been the wrecking crew he thought he would be 
Yeah, so Seattle continues to run the ball a lot. And again, I think that I think all that does is take it takes one of your advantages, Russell Wilson, and just kind of brings it back down to earth a little bit. So I think this one will be a, a close game. But that's me trying to predict what the Browns are gonna do. Hmm. Who are like a lesser version of the Titans. As far yeah. as predictability yeah, goes. Yeah, they are pretty rough. Uh, I'm taking Seattle on the road here, but I wouldn't be surprised either way because of the, the Browns coaster. Yeah, uh, Exactly the same. Um, I've taken Seattle, but would not be shocked if this was one of the games where the Browns do show up and look good again. All right, New Orleans Saints at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of Rich Gannon, is that a good Gardner Minshew comp? Rich Gannon? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Why? Didn't have the greatest arm in the world. Had that little wasn't you know, bad though, wasn't it? Wasn't a bad arm, but it was the garden is kind of bad. Cannon's, I don't think was was all that yeah, good though. It was more of like arm. a quick release, like a little slingy. Well, he had I'm a weird gonna, delivery. I'm but just going to distribute it, and and then he's got you know Gannon was a former safety, so he did have good athleticism, but he had some of that you know in and out of the pocket magic and all that stuff. I think it, I could see it. Eh. Anyway, I don't love it. I don't love it. I'm not going to lie. Teddy versus Minshew, as expected. Yes. Minshew. There it is. There's the shirt. Yes. Shirt, and we don't have, well, I don't have stickers, but we have stickers. I'm going to have to put this down for the duration. You're taking of this. the Saints to win. Well, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that Minshew's going to win all the games he's in. You're just here to sell merchandise. Pretty much. Um, this is an interesting game, though. Could we find better models for our merch? Probably. Don't answer that. All right, go ahead. Um, this is an interesting game because Teddy opened up last week. You know, we spent like, basically we spent the better part of the week before that talking about how the Saints are screwed because as long as Teddy keeps checking it down and throwing underneath, they're never going to win those games. And then he opens up, completes four deep passes, actually looks like he can, you know, did, did a decent imitation of Drew Brees. They didn't just become a completely different Alex Smith level quarterback, but actually gave his version of Drew Brees and it worked. Um, I does that was that a blip or is he starting to get more comfortable playing football again? Is he starting I've, to become more of the old Teddy? I've seen some responses that are like, "That's it, Saints found their quarterback of the future." Of course, right? Because one like, game, because of the game, right? So as Plus always, I believe that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. That the very poor play that we saw from Teddy in the previous weeks and the excellent game that he had yesterday, he lands. Somewhere in between those two. So I expect a bit of a regression back down to earth. A team that's going to pressure him more than, what, six out of 38 dropbacks. The Jags' D-line against the Saints' O-line, I think, is going to be a great matchup. Calais Campbell and company, Josh Allen, all those guys trying to get after Teddy. I don't think we're going to see the same type of performance. Plus, it was in a dome last week. Come on. Dome dome. game. In a dome. So here's another thing that's interesting in this game. Um the approach to defending Kyle Allen has been send the house against him every single play. Right. right. Highest blitzed quarterback in the NFL. The lowest blitzed quarterback in the NFL is Teddy. The approach to Teddy has been flood the zones, drop everybody into coverage, and make him find a tiny window underneath because God knows he's not going deep. Right? Now, but wouldn't you say, I mean, he's the guy I would come after a little bit more and say, okay, throw, make him throw deep. No, because I don't think he's... Well, I, no, I, don't, I think it's more... Flood up, flood the underneath because that's all he's hitting. Basically, so dump make him, everyone into the underneath coverage and say, "All right, find a tiny window, Teddy, because you're not pinpoint enough to make this happen every single play." Anyway, I'm, that's what teams have been doing, right? Whether or not you think it's the right idea, if you don't, you can be you can be the head coach of the, the Washington Redskins. Make a pitch. 
Um, but that's been the plan, right? Is basically we're going to dump everybody into coverage and rely on the fact that Teddy is not consistent enough to execute this death by a thousand paper cuts offense. He's going to need to run against this. And that should match with Jags. The Jags strategy, right? Well, except the Jags have the fifth highest blitz percentage in the NFL so far. Oh, so they're a little bit... Yeah, they've been a lot more aggressive this right. year than... But, as you said, they also have a really strong front four that will that can get after the quarterback anyway. So this right. is going to be an interesting matchup. Do they dial back their blitz and go with the same plan as everybody else has gone? Do they, a, do they stick with what they've done, which is be quite aggressive and quite blitz-happy? Does whatever they were going to do change based off the fact that last week Teddy actually opened up and started going deep a little bit? And that might change the way you want to approach attacking him because now all of a sudden you can't just rely on him doing nothing but taking all the underneath stuff. You actually need to think about what happens if he goes over the top. So just overall, this is quite an interesting um, chess battle. It is. And the Jags are only 18th in our pass rush grading, but it's one of those like the talents better than that. So they should be playing better. And the Saints have our number two pass blocking grade. So I do want to see that general matchup up front and of course Minshew against a pretty good Saints defense that they've, you know, they've played they've played pretty well Minshew's fun to watch whatever about like how good he is uh, he is he is fun to watch he does have when they were making that comeback the other day you know it was just different right didn't you just feel like it was going to happen there's other quarterbacks where it's like ah they might complete some passes but I'm not expecting this to happen yeah I kind of expected Minshew yeah to make that comeback and they didn't right up until you need to throw the ball 35 yards yeah, but the previous play was really now, and that was a nice. Yeah, I usually don't credit Hill Marys, but he put it in a nice spot. Like if that got caught, the legend would have been through the roof. It the problem is he put it in a really nice spot above Lenny. Yeah, wrong guy. Yeah. No, there was another one before that. I think that was even no, that, that was better. There was only there was two one before right? that. Went I think Chark. There was one to Chark. Yeah, because there was a couple negated. Pen- there was penalties and stuff. There was another one. Huh. That was really good. Okay, watch the film. Hashtag watch the film. Pretty sure. So, yeah, Minshew against the Saints D should be good. This could be sneaky good game. Yeah. Sneaky good game, I like the game. this week. Um, we're both taking the Saints. Is that right? No. Or did I take the Jags? You took the Jags. Okay, so I, I took the Jags because I was I am expecting Teddy to re- regress just a little bit. And it's Minshew. It is Minshew. The guy's I mean, good. Teddy doesn't have a T-shirt. Just got to cut back on those fumbles, man. Yeah. Throw, throwing the ball, he's been fantastic. Just fantastic. Yeah, those like that. Minshew's holding, he's got to stop holding the ball too long and, and taking those. QBs generally have got to stop doing that ridiculous like There's a lot. Madness swirling around the pocket, just flinging the ball backwards. If people have, if you have premium stats 2.0 and, you know, all part of your PFF elite package, you don't even need me to write the article for you. Here's the difference between traditional stats and grades. Just go to the quarterback page, sort by fumble grade, and then sort it again so that it has the worst fumble grades and you'll see a bunch of guys in the 20s 30s and 40s and those are the guys that essentially we've given harsh downgrades on fumbles yeah where they deserved it and it's and they're not showing up in passer rating but it's guys like deshaun watson it's marcus mariota Minshew, guys who have really really good numbers but these fumbles have been bad right and they're not showing up in grades but it's kind of been the difference between uh, they're not showing up in the stats but if they can cut down on a couple of those you know it's, it's a game changer so Kyle Allen, for example, has a pass rating of 107, but a fumble grade of 17. Oh, so yeah. He's had some horrendous ones. Really bad plays in there that you're not taking into account when right. you look at his passer rating. Right. And even other metrics, even other advanced metrics I know that are like EPA driven, that play is very dependent on who recovers the fumble. Right. 
if their team recovers it, it's like, oh, who cares? Six-yard loss. Whereas in our world, if you, ha- if you put the ball on the, gr- on the ground in a horrendous way that's all your fault, the fact that your own player managed to jump on it before the other guy is entirely lucky. Just luck. All right, Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. Do we have a, uh, a mid-roll read to do? Oh, are we halfway through? Yeah. Wow. More than halfway. We'll be here for another uh, six or seven hours, I think, getting through the rest of week six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode's brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7, cost you nothing. That's right, sports coverage that's always on and always free, always. Sam, I grew up watching a ton of sports highlights. That's all I wanted was the highlights, the analysis, and that's what CBS Sports HQ does. The coverage is always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, and something we care about deeply here. They have gambling picks and analysis to get that extra edge. Nice. Just like we have over here. Yeah, sounds like our kind of show. So I know when I turn on a CBS Sports HQ, I get the tips and trends I need to win my bets. Don't forget, you can get access to all this great coverage for free. I don't mean to. I don't mean free for a week, a month. Has nothing to do with a special cable package. Totally, completely free for everybody. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. So there's no fake debates, which you know we already hate. Just sports for real fans at the great price of completely free. You don't have to log in or sign up for anything. Just download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Excuse me. I'm just going to download the app on my phone. Smart. Why don't you do that? Yeah, I'm doing it right now. So special thanks to CBS Sports. Install. HQ. There we go. Now, Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. What are you looking for in this one? I was just hoping that would make you forget about this because I don't want to talk about the Bengals. Let's move on. Um, we'll move quickly. Their offensive line is just, it's just, it's sad. It's, it would make a small child cry. It's not great, but guess what? What? The Baltimore Ravens. I already said, like, word association, Baltimore Ravens, and you're just like, defense, mm-hmm. right? Your head says defense. Second worst pass rush grade in the NFL. Yeah, they don't really have any pass rush. Like Matthew Judon is their best pass rusher, and even he hasn't really gotten that much pressure. So I yeah. guess if you're going to hold up against anybody, it's going to be them, but they're probably not. Like they're down to like their fourth string left tackle. They're, things have gotten so bad that former first-round pick Billy Price is back in the lineup. Yeah, he has not been, he has not been good. Not been a good draft pick so far. The so. thing is, like, everything else is still bad as well because, you know, the receivers are all hurt mostly. Um, Andy Dalton. <laughs> the thing is, as bad as you think this offensive line is, and pretty much anybody that's seen them thinks it's wretched, Andy Dalton has by far the fastest time to throw in the entire NFL. They have been doing their absolute level best to try and hide the problems on this offensive line, and it still looks so that can't. bad. Like, they are absolutely screwed on offense if they have to pass the ball. And it's, and it's one of those schemes that if, you know, if it's play action heavy, it should, it should help a little bit, and it's still not. Yeah, it's I mean, that's, it's, 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 it's so horrible. I want to see Lamar against... So this, is, this should be an advantage for the Ravens offense going up against the Bengals defense. I want to see this consistency factor with Lamar, right? Because those first two games were so good, and they were the first two games of the season... A lot of people are just like, well, Lamar's much improved. It's a new season. He's better. Yeah. And then you kind of forget, well, week three was terrible, and week four was actually much better, and then last week was not great. Like, I want to see him string together some more good games or perhaps completely regress back into the guy that we thought he was before. So he's still playing above what we would expect from a passing standpoint so far. 
Yeah. And I don't think people appreciate how bad week three was because of the sort of prayer balls that were thrown up. That, that was the, the Chiefs out. game. Yeah. yeah. That were bailed out by his receivers a couple right. of times. Um, there were some ridiculous passes in that game that actually ended up being positive plays. Well, it, not for us, but in the other no, metrics. No, no, but there was positive a lot of, for the offense. Right. Positive for stats, positive for his air yards. Yes. So if you have stuff doing air yards and EPA and all that stuff, it was all good, even though yeah, they were. Yeah, he's, he's been up and down. This was the thing, right? After two weeks, this looks like the absolute best case scenario for Lamar. He has hit his ceiling after a, an up and down rookie year. But the truth is almost certainly going to be somewhere in the middle. And I still don't think we know exactly where in the middle yet. Has your laptop crapped out again? No, nah, it's more the battery. That feels like it's a long podcast. Part of your laptop, no? a long podcast oh so it's just run out of battery it's going to soon oh. so we're going to be uh in and out here who did i pick baltimore <laughs> uh yes of course i took baltimore did. yeah we both took everyone took baltimore everyone took baltimore across the board all right atlanta falcons at the arizona cardinals something's got to give here though cardinals picked up their first win last week kyler martin had his best game yeah that was and, a weird game yeah because the bengals came back they were like in control all the way through and then suddenly this was a game again Bengals had a few big plays down the stretch to to make it close um this one i mean the falcons got to do something defensively and then arizona's offense they've got pretty much one good game which right was last week so and the thing, second right? half is against this, detroit is this the game that makes the sort of week two install offense actually look pretty good yeah um because that atlanta defense is pretty horrendous so far arizona made some adjustments last week they didn't run as much 10 personnel and all that stuff and they looked a little cleaner did you see the the bar chart thing that i tweeted out yesterday that was 10 personnel throughout the league no so (laughs) it's arizona arizona's way yeah yeah like completely off on their own arizona essentially running 10 personnel which is one back zero tight ends all the wide receivers um they're running it on 50 percent of their snaps yeah on offense so about half the time they're running 10 personnel the next highest team is running at a 10.5 percent yeah that's right i mean that's pretty that's much the seahawks the average in the nfl is 2.9 percent i was gonna say it's it's like a two to three percent yeah type of personnel they're, package yeah. in the nfl right three percent essentially for the rest of the nfl 50 for the cardinals yeah they they, they got away from it a little bit last week and i you know they're the way they evolve, evolve is going to be one of the stories this year. I think seeing how that, seeing how they adjust there. It was Kyler's cleanest game last week. Is that because it was the Bengals? He should have another good opportunity to throw the ball against this Falcons defense. By the way, the team that's number two. Just this is a random aside, but they're one of the teams that gets lambasted a lot for being kind of caveman like in their strategy of you know run the ball, ug ug. Um, it's the, it's the Seahawks. 10.5%, second highest 10 person in the league. How about that? Yeah. Let's stop making fun of them. I didn't do it. I said other people did. People, generally. Oh, people. Have been making fun. People just All right, the ug ug thing was me, but okay. like, generally people have been mocking the Seahawks for this kind of antiquated caveman approach to just run the football, get to 53 attempts or whatever it is. And uh, it turns out they run the second most 10 personnel of any team in the league. Yeah, they do. The Falcons are doing a nice job of killing our narrative that like hey get yourself a top 10 quarterback you'll be in the mix every year yeah they got matt ryan well the problem is he's not a top 10 quarterback right now he's not he's definitely not playing as well so he's kind of in that he's not he hasn't played nearly as bad as kirk cousins but he should be in that boat of uh, of like buy low not so much in uh fantasy or anything like that but just buy low on the concept that matt ryan should be playing better football over time yeah just like kirk cousins should be playing better football than they've played 
So Atlanta, if for nothing else, you get Matt Ryan playing a little bit better with all those playmakers. I know they got the O-line issues, but they should at least be able to creep back toward a 500 record this year. Creep, creep back toward average. You would hope so. I mean, so I think I'm picking them. You're picking them? Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're playing Arizona. You, you just Arizona's a no-brainer for you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'll take Atlanta. You did. Is that you right? You did. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. Oh, for I'm me and George of, just picking Atlanta every week. I'm one of three people. I'm one of them's Austin, whose yeah. picks have sucked. So yeah, Austin has a losing record. Yeah, he's, what? Yes, <laughs> 36 and 39. He does one. drink a lot. I don't know. He I mean, does he's yeah. drunk probably. Tuesday he is morning. he is four just kidding, five, Austin's. He's seven Austin's games behind the next last place person. Jeez, just boot him out. That's I like just, what they do in the like in the soccer, right? He gets relegated? Yeah. Not like mid season. You know, just go no, you're I so far off the bottom of the league, you're out of here. That's kind of embarrassing to the team, so maybe I mean it's more embarrassing to him than it is to us. Yeah. I'm leading, so I'm not embarrassed. No, nor should you be. No. Good job. Congrats. Kudos, even. Maybe I should go with Arizona, like you. Granted, it's tie for first, but I'll, I'll we'll brush that part under the In rhythm, out of rhythm throws. I yes. tweeted this the other day. Two quarterbacks have better grades out of rhythm. This is very uncommon. Last year, no quarterbacks had this. So it's a small sample size, but Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Better grades out of rhythm. Than better out of rhythm. grades out of rhythm than in rhythm. Yeah, it's rare. It's just it's not gonna. It's if not sustainable. Gonna, right. But if anyone's gonna do it, Wilson feels like the one. Yeah, and there's been you know there was a lot of Kyler Russell comparisons coming out, and that's just because just they were both midgets, short people. Sorry, what's the shorter people with big arms. vertically challenged humans? Yes, okay. shorter, batted pass. Oh, dude, that was another one of the boogerisms on Monday. Baker had like a pass batted down. It's like, oh, he's short. How could he possibly see over the offensive line? The, but the, the Forrest Buckner, 6'7". Baker's only six foot. Like, how did he... The, Brock Osweiler. Batted pass machine. It's like the guy could have been nine foot tall, and they wouldn't have put the ball over him. The point is the guy jumped in the passing lane. Like, how do you... How, how does that not come into your brain? You literally watched him leap across the passing lane and bat the ball down. Well, the problem right there is he's too short. The funny thing about all that is... Our small little circle of people notice all of that, and a lot of other people don't. Like, if you were auditioning for a color commentary role, you could pro- you could cliche it all the way through. This is what's fascinating to, the to end. me about that is somewhere there's a guy watching that and going, "God, this is good." Yeah, and he's the guy like signing the checks. Yeah, short guy, batted pass, too short. Uh, look at this, this run is, game. That's look, it. Watch this. This is top level insight. Watch there's this. a guy there watching that halftime show that looks like it's been designed for people with attention deficit disorder and going, God, we are at the cutting edge. The Sega Genesis halftime amazing. show? Yeah. That would be, I'd watch that. That's what I tune into. Yes, that's what, that's what we should do. You want to have a po- you want to have this like throwback to your childhood yeah, podcast? Yeah. With the Sega Genesis. Yeah. We'll start, we'll play Madden. We'll play, forget Madden. We'll play Monta- Joe Montana football. Okay. From like 93. Yeah. We'll play a little Madden 96. Original Mutant League football. Oh, no, no. I only play sim type games. I don't play this. You would like original. I don't play Mutant this arcade. You nonsense. would like original Mutant League football. Listen. That had Bones Jackson. Do you know who that was? Bo? Yeah. They had all like the ripped off names. You know, like they do for games now where you don't have the licenses. You just have to change the I name am, a little bit. Listen, my OCD made me fix the equipment on everybody to, to make sure that the guys were real. I don't want Bones Jackson. I want Bo. You want Bones And I want it with the right equipment but he was a so fast, that he looks right. He I want fast, realism. He was a fast skeleton. Yeah. Sold. Let's yeah. play. See? Anyway, the Sega Genesis halftime show. We should try that. Ruining your childhood with Sam and Steve. 
download it never because apparently we're not doing it yet tennessee titans at the denver broncos what are you looking for in this one sam uh they just nothing i don't like tennessee games because i don't know what they're going to do in any given week i'm fed up of it i'm sick of watching this crapshoot of are the tennessee titans going to be really good or really bad i don't know which it's going to be and i don't like that i think so I, I think playing in denver's tough and the broncos i think for the third straight year the broncos have that roster that's like they're a six-win team that's what they are <laughs> They're just a six-win team, and they're just going to, you know, probably win a couple of games they shouldn't, like last week beating the Chargers. Team with Joe Flacco at quarterback. That's like, about right. They, they honestly, for as frustrating as the Titans are, Denver might be one of the more depressing teams in the NFL. Yeah, it's like you're not quite at the point, though you probably should be. You're not quite at the point where it's like let's blow this thing up and go full rebuild. Like let's chase that number one overall pick. Let's let's enter the tank sweepstakes and go after something legit. But you're so far off being able to actually contend for anything. You're just locked in this six-win purgatory kind of, ugh. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that they're still tough to play at home, and that's what, like, kind of – I know they won on the road last week, but that's what kind of, like, sneaks them a couple games too. Sure. You know, and it gets you at six. It's probably tough to tank in Denver because you get that home field advantage. <laughs> like, you're going you're gonna to stumble into a few wins. Like, they beat Seattle last year at home. Like, they just win games they're not supposed to at home. That's why I think I went Denver in this one. <laughs> but if I went Tennessee, I take it all back. You, uh, you did, in fact, go Tennessee. Yeah, I did? Yes. <laughs> so this won't be the one that they sneak out. But if they did, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, switch see, it. Just switch it. I'm taking know, Denver. I think we said last week that the Titans are going to be the team that you're going to be wrong with every single week. That's right? what it is. I'm- so last week I picked, last week I picked them. And they stank, right? So this week I'm going to pick them again, assuming that I was just one week off. That's, so that's I'm why I flip it back around. I, when I do my analysis, I figure out why Tennessee is going to lose and then pick them to win. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I did there. I'm so just because to, Denver should win this game. I assume I was just a game out of sync. So I'm trying to flip back into the, <laughs> into the, right, the right sequence now. Uh, Mariota, another guy that made the article, 107 passer rating. That's not real. God. Other advanced metrics also agree because he's taken too many sacks. He's had some bad fumbles. He had a pass like the one against the – he lofted up what should have been an end zone pick against the Jets. He has one of the, the – No top, turnovers, yeah, though. One of the top five longest streaks of pass attempts without throwing an interception. But oh, I hate during stats. that time, he's taken like 26 sacks. Yeah, I hate those. Again, it's a guy who's just stats. hiding the bad play with a different bad play that doesn't show up in the, in the passer rating number. Yeah. So that needs to – he's due for like a four interception game at some point. So why not in the uh, thin air? But they're still going to find a way to win Okay, against Denver, apparently. Sure, according, according to us, anyway. According to me. It's actually, you. no, both of us. We both picked Tennessee, and neither of us thinks they're actually going to win. We just, we just want to try and guess. Perfect Tennessee Titans analysis. That's it. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys at the New York Jets. Sam Darnold's coming back. The return of mono. It is. Yeah. Um, they, I, should, they should look better offensively. Sure. I mean, they can't look much worse than Luke Falk being your quarterback. The one, granted, the one, so the one game Darnold did play against a really tough Bills defense and averaged like four yards per completion, which isn't much different from what Luke Falk's doing out there. No. But Luke Falk, pocket presence-wise, taking sacks, fumbles, I mean, just has been. Oh, he's horrendous. Bad. So, but, yeah, the, I mean, the concerning thing was that Sam Darnold was playing that same kind of style in terms of way low average depth of target and all that kind of stuff before he went down with the mono. We just didn't have enough. Sure, now, now that could have just been a sample size thing. But yeah. equally, it could be a concerning trend with this offense that nobody they have at quarterback is going to throw the ball more than four yards down the field, which would be an issue. I um, think this could be a sneaky good game. 
a sneaky close game. Yeah. Why? Because I I don't know that we know that Dallas. We we were we were three weeks in calling them a Super Bowl contender, and then they lost to the Saints and they lose to the Packers. Right, but and those are two good good teams. Yeah, that's the thread there. The Jets are not. But it's still, it's at New York and Darnold's back. That'll even the odds a little bit. I don't think it's just an easy cakewalk for Dallas. I I think it might be. Um, Here's an interesting thing. Uh, Stunts. The Jets offensive line really struggles to pick them up. Dallas runs a lot of them. So nice they're going to get a lot of pressure. Good nugget right there. I like it. You're doing I, good I job. I stole it a little bit. Um, I don't care. Guy on Twitter. What's his name? John Owning? Owning? Owing? Yeah. So John Owning noticed this from his tape study, and I looked up the numbers in PFF Ultimate. And Did you tell him? Yeah, yeah. I, I sent him the thing. Good job. Um, so, yeah, the Jets struggle with it a lot. They face a lot of it, and the Cowboys run a lot of it. So this, again, it's like the Blitz thing. Blitz-tastic, except it's stunt-tastic. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. There should be a lot of those in this game, which should help the Dallas defense get pressure, which should assist in mono not being the reason they come back and dominate. By the way, there's no way he goes through the rest of his career without being known as mono for the rest of his life, right? That's kind of unfortunate. Why? He's the only, like he's the only guy that's ever had mono. No, he's just the only one that's had it as an NFL player and kept him out of the game for a few weeks while his spleen, true, you know, enlargens, shrinks, becomes normal again. You had mono. I don't think so. I don't know that we call it mono in oh, across the pond. Really? I don't know that we don't, but I I don't know people that have had mono, but I know people that have had other things like this that feels like it would be called something else. Have you had a uh, four to six week illness that uh, that knocked you down, made you really really tired, and really uh, inflamed your spleen? Is that what it is? It inflamed? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. I mean, yes. You've had that? No. I'm saying that's what it is. The inflamed spleen part. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been sick that much. No, oh, good for you. Doctors as parents helps. Well, I don't think it does. It goes one of two ways, right? Either you go to the doctor for everything because they're hypochondriacs and know that everything could be like, you know. Whooping, they know the worst of everything. Right, whooping cough. They're like a walking internet, essentially. Exactly. Internet yeah, they're, they're walking WebMD, right? Um, or you never go to the doctor for anything because they work on the base that you'll be fine. So like uh, somebody was saying, Scout, my daughter, six-year-old, was asking if we'd ever had stitches. And Laura's like, yeah, I've had stitches like a couple of times. She was claiming she needed like stitches on a scratch in her arm or whatever. I was like, no, you don't. You're fine. Did you get that checked out? No. Uh, I was like, no, I've never had stitches. I've had multiple things that should have had stitches, but I've never actually had them because your parents are doctors. They take a look at it. Yeah, it'll heal. If they, were, if they look at you and they're like, you don't actually need to be, you know, stapled up. It'll, it'll eventually scar over. You don't need to go to the doctor. Then you don't go to the doctor. You just, hey, Grant, you're okay. I remember standing in that the kitchen you. one day with a gash down my knee that had been, someone had left like broken glass in a playground, jumped off a swing, landed knee first on the broken glass. So it was like a two, three inch gash in my knee. And I was standing in the kitchen and the two of them were debating whether it needed stitches as the <laughs> blood is flowing down my leg. Didn't who's the, get it. Who's the better doctor? Your dad? They're, well, they're different specialties. I don't know if that... But your dad's like really well known in everything right yeah, isn't he like I mean, really he's, good he's like a yeah he's a pretty renowned surgeon mom was a GP yeah I, I, I'm not one to make judgments they're both which, which they're is both superior I'm just saying like who wins the argument there well I didn't get stitches I don't remember which was taking which side I don't even know if they mom were, wins all arguments anyway so yeah I don't even know her. if they were each taking a different side ah, maybe gotcha. they were both just articulating why I didn't need to go have stitches what a memory you have thank you that's great uh, I think we're all taking Dallas uh, yeah that was just a guess. I still don't actually have it in front of me. <laughs> All right, Sunday Night Football. I really think about getting a better computer. 
someday. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, what are you looking for here? <laughs> you apparently are looking for yuck. What did I put? Yuck is what you put. Just simply yuck. Nothing else. I just I hate when very attractive matchups on paper have <laughs> have stuff happen along the way where it's no longer attractive. Think what the TV networks must be like. I know. Yeah, I got a great Monday Night Football game cooking, and then Steelers fans are still going to tune in. Doesn't matter who's a quarterback. I I'm curious. I'm fa- I'm always fascinated. Well, unless I actually think the guy's terrible. I'm genuinely fascinated by, like, unknown quarterbacks that come out of nowhere and suddenly get thrust into the starting limelight. And Devlin Hodges is the latest one. Now, it's not like he played amazingly when he came in, but he looked all right. Made a couple throws. Right, made some throws. Was unlucky in the last throw of the game because, like, got the ball where it needed to be, and then it got punched out by Marlon Humphrey. So I'm kind of curious to see how he'll do. Yeah, I mean, between him and... You know, look, Pittsburgh's shown signs of life the last... They're still going to be a tough team. You know, they've played a lot of close games, even with Mason Rudolph at quarterback and all that stuff, so... So the data we have on Hodges, right? We've got some preseason data. Now, not much of it, because obviously, undrafted rookie this year. Yeah. But we've got three preseason games. Uh, we have a 50 grade, a 69 grade, and a 47 grade. So that that's not great. No. Right? Overall grade for that preseason was 49. So, yeah. But... It looked okay. The first first time he went on the field in NFL action, looked okay. So I'm quietly interested to see how he's going to do. Look at you being so positive right now. Do we have any uh, college date on the guy? I don't remember. Should I go and look for that? Yeah, go check it Let's out. go find it. Um, I want to see what happens with uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers. You know, again, we talk about trends and when this stuff happens. Philip Rivers made it about 13 or 14 weeks last year before he had one of those old disastrous Philip Rivers games where he's chucking interceptions yeah. and all that stuff. This year it's kind of been end zone interceptions we talked about on Monday and, you know, some good, some bad. All right, we got some stuff. You ready? Yeah, tell me about Hodges in college. So we grade every game that an FBS team plays in, right? So anytime an FBS team plays an FCS team, we'll have that game grade. And some other FCS teams. Right. We also have some other FCS grades generally because every year the NFL teams come to us and say, hey, we want like these guys graded. So we have Carson Wentz's tape, for example, because we knew he was going to be a big prospect. Exactly. Uh, Devlin Hodges apparently was not sufficiently on the radar for NFL teams to give a crap about his tape. They didn't ask for it. We didn't go looking for it. No. But we have some tapes for him. So last season against Florida State – we have a 62 grade. All right. The, they almost beat them. I think well, they beat Florida State. The uh, season before that, we have the best game of his uh, of his grade. PFF data? Yes, which is an 84.7 game, a grade, with an 88 passing grade. Against who? Georgia. Oh, we did that against Georgia yeah. two years ago. Legit. Uh, Should have been more on the radar. 2016, I think we have two games for him that year, or just one really long game. I haven't got there yet. Two games. No, wait, just the one game. One stupidly long game against Mississippi State. 107 plays what? in that game. Wow. Uh, 66.8 grades. So we've got three reasonable games. Those are pretty good against right. decent competition. Against, yeah. They're all SEC teams, right? Well, no, Florida State's the ACC. Oh, ACC. And then sorry. Georgia and Mississippi yeah. State, yeah, in the SEC. So we've got some legit, legit games there, so there you where go. he played okay. Intriguing player. Then he played really badly in the preseason, and then he played okay last week. Yeah, so, I think the college data is more important than the preseason data, to be honest. I mean, the bottom line is we don't really have any idea what he's going to do because we've barely seen the guy. That's why we're going to watch Sunday Night Football. That's why it's interesting. I'll tell you what I won't be doing is waiting all day for Sunday night. I'll probably be, wa- probably be watching football along the way. Okay. But when we get to Sunday night, I'll watch the game. 
All right. I just don't buy into the... Uh, sorry, Chris. I just don't song? buy into the theme song. I don't. Huh. Like, who's actually waiting all day for Sunday night? Like, even I mean, if it's your team Chris playing, you're not is, just right? sitting... There. Chris is waiting. Yeah, he's waiting. Yeah. He's, they got meetings all day, too. Right, but you kind of, you know, hurry up and wait. You spend the whole day just... All right, Chris on. is waiting. That's what I'm saying. It, just, it should be like an internal theme. An internal theme. Yeah. It should be like Fred plays the music for, like, the truck <laughs> for when they come in. <laughs> <laughs> we, for like like one o'clock, like hey guys, forget about the other NFL action. We're here to wait till Sunday night. Okay, that's what we're here for. All right, fair enough. Are we done with this game? Who's winning? The Chargers. Everyone won with the Chargers. Yeah. All right. Nobody has faith in Devlin. They didn't see the college grades. That's the Maybe problem. We should, we'll try to convince Neil to flip his grade. He'll do it. You think? Oh yeah, he's easy to influence on certain things. Okay. Other stuff. Fair enough. Not so much. Right, Ethan. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, Monday night football time. Yeah. Detroit NFC Lions. Central Green showdown. NFC Central. Detroit Lions and Green Red Bay Favre Packers. against Barry Sanders. Scott Mitchell I'd at the helm. That. Oh, my gosh. Let's, um, fire, let's fire up some 1995 Lions-Packers matchup. 95? That's going a bit late. 91. Well, 95 92. is when Herman Moore caught like Oh, wait. When did Brett passes. get there? 92? Yeah. 93? 93 was his first year. Okay, yeah. We'd have to go that. We'd have to wait till Brett was there. But 95 was when, like... Passing explosion in the league. And that was Barry's big year, right? We should just do some. yards. Would anybody be interested in just some like retro podcast? We just sit there and. Retro podcast. We just like. Disc- like Eric would be great at this. He's got a great Dude, that guy's history. Ability to remember crap that happened before he was alive is insane. That's what's weird about it. So I used to have that for baseball. I know a stupid amount of just ridiculous yeah. well, baseball he, like, talks numbers, about but games that happened in the mid 90s yeah like, he must have been like four yeah i know it's I, it's it's impressive i don't so, remember games that happened a couple of years ago we could bring eric on here and just have some like let's discuss the 1995 season and stuff <laughs> like that what do you remember that, that could be it like what do you remember from like the 96 season and you remember two things and i remember two and eric goes like yeah, game by game tells you the entire season step by yeah. step you would you listen to that podcast you think there's a big market for that nope i not at all not so much Maybe in the off season. Anyway, Never this know. is an interesting game. This is a great game. This is the uh, this is a good test for Eric's theory of the Lions being the best team in the NFC North. Yeah, I don't buy Central. It. I don't buy it. You don't buy it. No. Well, okay, fine. I'll tell you what I this love. The game that proves it. I'll tell you what I love about the Lions. What do you love about the Lions? We sit on here all the time and we we speak we we bucket quarterbacks very broadly, and there's a lot of nuance that goes into it. But we say stuff like this guy's conservative, this guy's aggressive, this guy's mid tier. We say that all the time. And then we come back with, like, what would you do with this guy strategically? And we always come back to Matthew Stafford and say, he's done a nice job of not turning the ball over the last couple of years. And they kind of, like, reeled him in a little bit. But, man, gunslinger Stafford is not only hashtag fun to watch, but probably your best bet of, like, running into, like, the Flacco run, right? Flacco has a five-game stretch of his career where he was awesome and, He's got a Super Bowl because of it. Yeah. Literally a five to eight game stretch. I mean, that was it. Mm-hmm. Stafford obviously has that in him, but you can't get that out of him if you're just telling him not to throw interceptions. So now, George was tweeting about it the other day, too, and our uh, Timo wrote about it on the site, pff.com, about Stafford and throwing the ball down the field, the highest average depth of target this year, and just an aggressive downfield passing attack in Detroit. We've talked about it differently on the podcast. We've said, look, man, he's got the sidearm stuff going and he's throwing well under pressure. He's creating space in the pocket. This aggressive Stafford gives Detroit a chance offensively. Now, there could be some duds in there, but the high-end potential with Stafford throwing the ball down the field is is through the roof, and I love watching it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's I, we've said this before. That's what they need to do, right? You can... 
across the board, it's not just Stafford, but every one of these volatile quarterbacks that makes too many mistakes for you to be comfortable with them, you can't try and take that away by neutering them. It just doesn't work. All you do is you take yeah. away the stuff that's offsetting the bad plays, and the bad plays still stay there. It doesn't fix them. It never does because they make like this. It's not like they're doing it because they're being too hyper aggressive. They're just they just make bad decisions every now and again. And, and Stafford's more like he'll just miss a few throws. He doesn't make as many say just pure misreads and bad decisions as say like a Jameis. Right? We always we say Jameis has a high percentage of negatives. This year Stafford has a high percentage of negatives in part because of that aggressiveness. But he's other than like that Arizona game. He had a bad decision late. He's got a couple fumbles in there, but it's not a ton of bad decisions necessarily. He'll just, you know, you miss a few throws and then you make some spectacular ones. Give me the spectacular opportunities, though. Yes, definitely. Um, Is Aaron Rodgers the best Aaron in Green Bay right now? Oh, jeez. I'm just like, this is like a a first take (laughs) discussion. Is Aaron Rodgers better than Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones is really good. Yeah, he is. Have you seen the list, by the way, as much as the running game doesn't matter, yada, yada, TM? Um, have you seen the list of running backs from that draft class? Yeah, I don't like Outside of Leonard Fournette, who was even coming good the last couple of weeks. So it's Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Matt Breida. Uh, who else? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Alvin Kamara. Same Kamara. Yeah. Like So there was insane. There was a point. Remember a few years ago, I was doing a little bit more college analysis. There was a point I was calling that the year of the running back. There was like their <laughs> their junior year, we were calling it the year of the running back yeah. in college. It turns out we were right. And, I, and and back then we were before we we knew that the run game wasn't nearly as valuable as the pass game, but we also had it in our head that maybe there are some favorable strategies if you go extreme the other way with a run heavy attack. I think we've been talked off of that ledge since then. But there was a point back then we were like, hey, if the NFL gets this influx of running backs, and there's a few guys on that list that we weren't like Brita and like Jones right. that weren't a part of our expectation there. We were like, hey, maybe there are some teams that are going to start building around these backs. And then Saquon was was like a freshman when those guys – it felt like the NFL, and they were just getting Zeke. The NFL was getting this influx of running backs that was like a really good crop at the time. And that, you know, that essentially came true. And then we just got, t- you know, thrown these numbers that are like, ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a shame because that group is Too just bad. Is absurd. Yeah, Aaron Jones is really good, and he, he really did a really is. nice job. I mean, it's just a matter of, like, man, he's getting oh, eight when he Joe should be Mixon. getting three. Forgot about him. Mixon's in there, yeah. Like, he should be getting eight. He should be getting three yards, and he's getting eight. James Conner, also in that group. Tariq Cohen, also in that group. Like, this is genuinely insane. That's great. By the way, ima- oh, Marlon Mack, also in that group. Yeah, Mack's been good. Imagine, by the way, being one of the running backs from this class that sucked. There's like 12 legitimately decent NFL running backs in this class, and you were like a guy drafted in the third round that just happened to, to you know, not be any good. Wait till they're all up for contracts. It's going to be a lot of them. That'll be interesting. The NFL's asking in their big data bowl for essentially people to prove that running backs don't matter. Chris Carson, also in this. Yeah. The NFL is actively asking for people to tell you that running backs are not valuable and therefore probably not going to get paid. Running backs must not be happy with the uh, numbers crunchers these no. days. Last one, I promise. Uh, undrafted in the same draft class, Austin Eckler. Jeez. Like, th- that's probably the greatest that's running like back draft class. That's two-thirds of, of the time. running backs around the NFL right. right now. All of the good ones. Yeah. Almost. Like, that's, that's absolutely ludicrous, the talent in that draft for running backs. Speaking of did you see in Aaron Rodgers, did you see the clip of Skip Bayless debating Skip Bayless about Aaron Rodgers? Oh, God. No. Did you see it? It was amazing. 
Because obviously this when you're... presumably Skip Bayless having flip-flopped multiple times on exactly the same topic. You got to look it up. It's awesome. Because oh, when you're a talking head for that many years, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to... I'll give him a touch of credit. You might say something that's contradictory through the years. Now, his whole shtick is to just, you know, flip-flop and whatever, yes. do his thing. But it's him on one side and then him on the other side arguing for and arguing against Aaron Rodgers. It is just awesome. Here's so I think he's on the downslope of Aaron right now. Yeah. The thing is, right, you could, you could legitimately do that, over, well, depending on exactly what you said. You could do that on different time periods and not be inconsistent, right? Like Player yeah. X, Aaron Rodgers in this case, is doing X, Y, and Z wrong right now. This is a problem. And then, well, like, two years later, he's fixed that. Or two years later, he's gone the other way. It's like, well, the other side, right? Having said, But the thing is, and I have no idea what this particular video is, but I can imagine Skip doing that, like, week to week. Oh, week to week, definitely. Right. I mean, I remember if there are some really diehard fans among our million, you can go back somewhere in the archive of our – I remember 2014 saying, man, this might be the best quarterback play I've ever seen in the NFL because Rodgers not only has the spectacular throws, he's got the pre-snap stuff he's taking the easy stuff he's got it all like he's not turning it over all of it's good and then in 15 it's like why is he not taking the easy stuff and then, yeah and we've best we've quarterback in the NFL and like next year it's like the dude's barely yeah. a top 10 guy 15 right was a disaster and then 16 he had that stretch from week six and on where he was incredible and then, i mean he's he's been a it's, it's really roger's fault he's been a roller coaster poor skip trying to keep up with it so where's rogers right now first quarter first half this offense has been rolling, and yes, they scored points in the second half over the last couple of weeks, but the passing game has been different in the second half. I think there's going to be a point where they're going to need the passing game a little bit more consistently in the second half of games. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, somebody's going to make one of those videos about us. You know that. No, I don't, think, I don't think people want to take that much time. Honestly, it may even be our own video staff makes one of those videos about us. No, they, that's a lot of stuff to remember. Where have we we've never said anything contradictory. I'm sure we have. It's never. just that it was it's just that at the, it's just that it made logical sense because it was a difference in time period, but when you stitch all that together in video form and uh, make us look like idiots. You could. That's what I'm saying. That'd be that'd be rude. Hashtag fake news. Nobody's an idiot here. Anyway, this should be a good game. Lions play a ton of man coverage. Yeah. Packers don't have guys, don't have any name receivers to separate there. That's gonna be a challenge. Man coverage against this Packers. Another team that's desperate for their number one to come back. You know, yeah. Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs. Devontae, Devontae Adams getting closer for them. That changes everything for them when they get him back. They're yeah. another team. I loved your idea. I still think that's the best trade connection anybody's made. The Emmanuel Sanders to Green Bay move. I would yeah. love that move for them. I think that's a fantastic match. If you're a Packers fan or maybe a, a team that needs a receiver, are you just rooting against the Broncos this week? You're like, all right, you're one and five now. Mail it in. Trade us Sanders. I mean, that's a, that's a reason to watch that Denver-Tennessee game. Emmanuel Sanders? Or that they might trade him during the game? Just rooting for the Broncos to lose. I like so that. So Sanders might be on the block. Who was it we decided last week was going to hold a fire sale during the game? Like a halftime? I thought it was Denver. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I like that. I still like that as an Sanders, idea. Sanders, Chris Harris. Like you just, yeah. You know, just line them up. Good. One after the other through the block. And then they won. Yeah. They beat the Chargers. Yeah, they kind of ruined that plan. Who did I take in this one, Sam? Uh, we all took Green Bay. Everybody, was, oh. everybody went Green it's Bay. It's not a knock on Detroit. It sounds like a knock on Detroit. But we like Green Bay at home. Monday Night Football should be a good one. Hopefully better than last week's game. God, can you imagine how much Booger loves the Lions? Is that it? It's only been two hours, man. I know. How do, we, how do these podcasts get longer and longer every week? Let me tell you guys. The Lions like to establish the run. Establish the run game. Run the football. 
so what, that's how they built their team, but they've been a little different than we expected. I'm just saying, he's going to love them. Oh, he is. Absolutely. They are going to want to love. They're, they are going to want to establish the run. Establish the run hard. That's how you win football games in the National Football League. Even when the Browns were down two touchdowns, he was like, man, there's still time to establish the run. Don't, don't lose your game plan. Wow. Yeah. He's excited. Yeah. Pass the damn ball hats. God, yeah. They're in the, they're in the store. Check them out. Yeah. If you guys want that. All right. That's it for us today. Is that right? Or the Minshew. Get your Minshew. Get your pass the damn ball hat. Get your creeping back toward average shirt. It's all at the PFF store. Get to PFF.com. Grab your PFF Elite. PSV2. Your fantasy stuff. Green line. It's all there. Go check it out. That's it, man. Yeah. Week six. The end. See you guys Monday with our review. quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place so every game that we're talking about right now you guys can re-watch it after the fact i'm gonna be going back and you guys can too go check out lamar jackson in week one go check out dak prescott and what that cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.